Princess. I saw what happened. I saw Stannis' forces defeated in the field. My lady, I'm Sadavas Seaworth. We've met before. I was Kingsguard to Renly Baratheon. Before Renly was assassinated with blood magic. That's in the past now. This is in the past. Doesn't mean I forget. Or forgive. He admitted it, you know. Who did? Stannis. Just before I executed him. Riding their dead horses. Hunting with their packs of pale spiders big as hounds. It's your hosts, Sir Duncan the Fearsome. And Lady Rachel of House Fox. You're listening to Game of Microphones. Seven blessings, crispy calls, and fearless females, and welcome to Game of Microphones. I'm Lord Sterling, Sir Duncan, the spark that lights the fires in the minds of men. And I'm Lady Rachel of House Fox, Breaker of Bread. And this is episode 96. On this episode of our series rewatch, we're covering Game of Thrones, season 6, episode 4, Book of the Stranger. And in case you're not already aware, this series rewatch is from the perspective of someone who's current on the show. That means you've seen it up through season seven. If not, there's still time to catch a blade to the neck in a seduction gone wrong, so you don't have to hear these spoilers. Warning. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. The further we get into season six, the more I'm like, God damn, this season is fucking awesome. I thought this too yeah <laughs> right i was like i totally forgot this is this episode where danny walks out of the dosh clean oh, so man. i was like when it came on i was like holy shit i'm this is the best episode ever because <laughs> yeah. i had like said I, in my notes i had already picked a number one and then i was like oh fuck this you know mm-hmm. this is a this is a contender this so, is such a good episode oh, such a good episode Why don't we switch it up? Why don't we talk about your number five first? Okay, sure. Before we get into that, though, real quick, I just want to mention a theme that I noticed all throughout this episode. yes. Which is um, women overpowering or being stronger than men. This is when the tables start to turn. Yeah, and this is like an episode full of female empowerment from every different angle. We have uh, Sansa taking control in the in the in the north basically and well john is is weak and and tired sansa is vibrant and lively and and making master strokes for the their chess game basically she's getting the plan ready to build the army to defend winterfell and do all this while john's like i've been fighting since i left (laughs) he's just so weak and (laughs) tired poor john poor john we have uh yara in pike being the the commanding figure over reek 
or over Theon at this point when she's um, taking control of the, of the situation and Pike trying to become the leader in the next King's moot while Reek kind of cowers. And it's like, I want you to, to help you, you know, you could lead. Yeah. I just want to be home. And then we have Marjorie, who's the, the powerful sibling when it comes to her and Loris. And she's trying to impart strength into Loris, like, like Sansa was doing to John. And um, Loris is the broken one in this case. Again, the weak, the weak male. <laughs> yeah. um, then we have Cer- Cersei, who you know outwits Tommen, gets the information about the High Sparrow, and plans the revolt against the High Sparrow. Overpower, like taking you know, like um, she's using his son's power to her her son's power to her advantage right and then overpowering kevon lannister in the process kevon yeah taking over the small council kind of then there's danny obviously who is uh (laughs) taking position of power Uh, by removing every man in her way (laughs) which Uh, i love because at this point um Amelia Clark had told HBO that she didn't want to get naked for the show anymore. Right. And she actually chose to do this scene oh, naked man. because of how empowering how powerful it, was. it is. Yeah. So that kind of goes nicely with your theme, especially her being like kind of the the last image that we see. Yeah, definitely. So I love that she chose to do that because what a strong moment for Definitely. her as a character. But the red um, glowing off of her skin and everything is just yeah, amazing. She looks amazing. Yeah, it's like one of the coolest moments in cinematographic history. They actually filmed her nudity scenes in a private location. Mm, nice. So it, it's actually filmed in two separate locations. And transposed. To and it's it. transposed together. That's cool. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. The the feats of technology are amazing these days, you know. I know it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, totally. Good, good, good call. That's really neat. Okay, so my number five is Sansa is a fucking G now. Oh, basically, okay. <laughs> the episode starts with Dolorous Head going over and grabbing Longclaw from the table, and. Before before we get to see John in this scene, it's just Longclaw sitting there. Ed coming and picking it up, and I'm like, oh my god, did John leave Longclaw? <laughs> like, did he, you know, did he leave the the wall when he quit being Lord Commander and he left Longclaw also? Oh, it was like you know my first thought when the first time yeah. I saw it, like, oh man, that's crazy. But no, the camera pans up and John is sitting there. <laughs> so that was, you know, <laughs> my mind, my over imagination uh, getting ahead of me there, which was kind of funny. And so Ed is talking to John and he's like, where, you know, where are you going to go? And John's like, South, obviously, you know, and Ed's like, what what are you going to do? And he's like, get warm. (laughs) And he kind of (laughs) like smiles. It's, you know, we don't really see John Snow smile that often. So that was kind of a cool moment, a rare occasion for a a non mopey snow. And uh, Ed hands him or puts Longclaw down and, and he's just like in disbelief that, John would could be possibly be abandoning their cause, which he he's like in total shock. He's like, I was with you at hard home. We know what's out there. We saw it. How can you just turn your back on protecting the kingdom like this? It's heartbreaking, you know, because yeah, this is everything. It's the the war between life and death. And uh, of course, though, no way, bro. John's not giving up full time. <laughs> He'll be back. No. <laughs> um, 
So John is still just trapped in uh, in his mopey defeatist mode. He's like, I did everything I could. (laughs) (laughs) Ed's like, you, but you swore a vow. He's like, I know I I pledged my life to the night's watch and I gave my life. And then Ed comes in with the insight with all of our discussion about whether or not John was breaking the oath by quitting, you know, by giving up his command. Yeah. We never brought up this specific quote from the oaths. We should have like read the oath and like looked at it more carefully. (laughs) Um, so, So Dolores Ed brings up for all nights to come, which is, are those the last words of the of the oath yes they are for this night and all nights to come yes so that obviously uh if if that's the case then john is pretty much violating his oath that's true it's hard to um like we talked about last week how it, there's a technical literal interpretation of the oath and then there's the metaphoric interpretation where he literally gave his life, <laughs> you know, whereas metaphorically it would be, you'd think it would be like, you know, until you're like really, really dead, <laughs> you know, all of your, yeah. you know, but, but here literally for all nights to come. So I would, it, it could be argued that this is a, an oath breaker type scenario with John leaving his post at the wall. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So next time we're, or examining an oath or something. Let's actually take a look at the oath. <laughs> yes, I think we should do that. <laughs> <laughs> and John is just freaking out. They killed me, Ed. My own brothers. How am I supposed to stay here? He's fucking scared. And then all of a sudden there's a horn outside. Open the gate. And my jaw drops mm. as the gate opens to reveal Sansa and Brienne and Pod. And it's like, I thought this would never happen. (laughs) My jaw literally just dropped. Um, Amazing. So Sansa's looking apprehensive as they're riding in. And Brienne rides in behind her and Tormund immediately is (laughs) gawking at her. Just (laughs) gaping at Brienne like she's... He's like, oh my God. Like like she's a literal god. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Amazing. And she grabs, she grabs the hilt of her sword, like, don't look at me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So fucking awesome. I think this was sort of ad-libbed too. Like he, uh, Oh really? Yeah. They sort of like came up with this dynamic on the spot. I think if I'm remembering correctly, hilarious. It works really well. Yeah. I love it. So funny. So Sansa comes in dismounts and she's looking around and John walks out and it's like, Holy fuck. I love his reaction here. Yeah. He's leaning on the railing and she sort of turns and makes eye contact with him and he, he he freaks out his hand. He pulls his hands back and like recoils and shock. It's like he's seen a dead person. Yeah. It's crazy. And then he, you know, he walks down there and walks towards Sansa and, just a beautiful like really really well executed moment as they pause and stop about five or six feet from each other and they're just and i love everyone's expressions behind them and around them like ed is trying to figure out who this is brianne has figured it out right. and she's watching it and Tormund's just eyeballing brianne <laughs> i love all like the background people totally I mean, Sophie Turner and Kit Harrington do a wonderful job here, but the other characters make it so 
so impactful tangible yeah like especially brianne's reaction nice yeah it's great so (laughs) so they sort of pause maybe six or eight feet from each other and they're just like both standing there shocked like neither of them know how to react and uh sansa eventually just runs for him (laughs) you know yeah oh that hug and she like presses her cheek up against his face so good uh, yeah just really impactful the pause and then the rush (laughs) it's like they hit a barrier and then the barrier is just obliterated Mm. and the gravity just pulls them together and brianne has like this little it's not i don't even want to call it a smirk because it's not even a smirk but it's just like a a satisfied look of satisfied look on her face but she looks down because it's like such an intimate moment between right. the two of them. Yeah, they don't want to like in- feel like they're intruding by watching. <laughs> yeah, so I Great. just love this. It's like I always get goosebumps. The Stark music's playing in the background. I missed it again. I always miss the Stark oh, music. Oh my god, it's so beautiful. <laughs> I, I don't like, even know the Stark music. I can't even like picture what it sounds violin. like. It's the violin. Here, I'm gonna pull it up. Okay. <laughs> Oh, God, it, it's just, it's my favorite theme, I think. I mean, I love Reigns of Castamere, too, but, oh, God, every time the Stark music plays, and I think it might have to do a little bit with um, seeing the live experience. I'm sure. And there's this one moment, it's, it was the very, it was the very opening song that they did. They played the violin, and the violinist was in the middle of the stage all by herself. This isn't really much of a spoiler. Um, but they had all of these like leaves falling on her Whoa. and there was just a spotlight on her and it was like the weirwood leaves. Oh, red, there was this, red leaves. Yeah. There was this big like white tree that she was under, but oh God, it was nice. so beautiful. So it's like that stuck in my mind. And so now I pick up every time I hear it. <laughs> right. Really hammered at home. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So good. This is actually my number two because of the music. Nice. Yeah, I did take note that the music was amazing in this scene. So I, I took note of the song. I just didn't connect that it's a Stark theme you know, yes, <laughs> for some it reason. Is. Um, so John is in total shock. Sansa is in total shock. <laughs> Little does she know that she just barely, you know, like almost missed him because <laughs> he was dead so, so soon before this. And he's getting ready to leave, too. Yeah. <laughs> So our near misses theme has come to an end here yes, because this yeah, is perfect much. timing. Perfect timing, finally. And uh, he's he's happy to have a family member to comfort him after his traumatic death experience. She's happy to have a family member comforting comforting her after her traumatic marriage experience. Uh, it's just an amazing scene. This is the first time they've been on set together. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I or at least on on screen together. On screen, yeah. yes, on that's, screen. That's so crazy. Seven years, yeah, because you never realize that they're never on screen at the same moment, even in season one where when they're both at Winterfell together. Exactly. It's implied that they're living together, but they're never seen together yeah. until now. Yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah. So uh, cuts back to inside Castle Black into John's quarters, and Sansa is hanging out, drinking some soup. Apparently, it's pretty good soup, and they're sort of like reminiscing about Winterfell a little bit about the kidney pies that old Nan used to make, etc. Yeah. And John is so traumatized by what's happened. He's like, "We never should have left Winterfell." 
you know, he's not at that stage yet where you're like, oh, my life experiences have made me stronger. <laughs> he's like, fuck, we should never should have left. Yeah. <laughs> it ruined everything. And Sansa's like, I could just yell at my previous self, like, yeah. don't go, you idiot. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, and if I was John, I would be saying the same thing because leaving resulted in the death of basically his entire family. So there, he probably never will reach that stage where he's like, oh, my life experience has never or made me stronger because it's just a horrible, <laughs> really horrible life experience. Nobody wants to go through. Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, even Sansa, or uh, also she's like, don't you wish we could go back to the day we left? I want to scream at myself. Don't go, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> she really was such an idiot back then. Yeah, totally. And then uh, I love this next moment. John and Sansa both have, or it's very big of them. They both have like very big moments in this where they acknowledge things that they've done wrong or make, you know, or forgive those things. I've spent a lot of time thinking about what an ass I was to you. Yeah. I wish I could change everything she says. And you can tell she it's true. You know, she's, she means it. She's thought about it. And John is taken aback by this. He looks super shocked, but his face also betrays that, that this is the case You know that she was kind of yeah. a dick. You could tell by like the look on his face. Right. So, it was, I just thought it was really, you know, powerful moment, really big of Sansa to bring this up and to apologize. And uh, I also... It shows her maturity level here. Yeah, she's, totally. She's grown up a little bit. Yeah, and I love the way that John reacts to he's He basically forgives her and he's like, we were, you know, we were just children. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> she, it's okay, basically. And she, she presses it. She's like, I was awful. Just admit it. And he just sort of... <laughs> sort of laughs and says, well, you were occasionally awful, which I thought was funny because she was <laughs> yeah. always awful. She knows she was it. Always <laughs> awful. <laughs> he knows it. She knows it. <laughs> and uh, he has a little bit of meta commentary here because everybody makes fun of Jon Snow, like in the fandom or in pop culture for, um, for being mopey and <laughs> brooding and Broody. whatnot. Yeah. So he's like, I'm sure I can't have been great fun. Always sulking in the corner while the rest of you played. <laughs> so even he's like <laughs> laughing about how mopey, what a mopey bastard he is, basically. Yeah, he's super broody. Hilarious. Love it. So uh, Sansa is begging him for forgiveness here. And I like his first response. He's like, there's nothing to forgive. <laughs> Further stating, like, we were just kids, basically. She's like, forgive me, like really pressing it. He's like, fine, you know, I, I forgive you. And... um she holds out her hand and I was like, what's she doing here? And I realized, Oh, she wants a drink. <laughs> she wants a drink of ale. I thought she was, I thought she was like trying to like hold his hand for like a sweet moment or something, but she no, she's to... looking to get a drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she sips it and like chokes on it. Cause it's so <laughs> strong. Like, That's whatever fucking it is. Gross. <laughs> yeah. And imagine this. So she sips on that and chokes, whereas Jon Snow's used to that. And he sips on the drink that Mance Raider gives him and chokes. Right. So, <laughs> just imagine if Sansa tried to drink that other one. She'd probably be throwing up or something. I think I would be throwing up. <laughs> Hilarious. So uh, I liked John's line. Either. He's like, you'd think after thousands of years, Night's Watch would have learned how to make good ale. <laughs> <laughs> True statement. <laughs> yeah. And this is where Sansa's manipulation and taking charge comes in. And she's like, where will you go? As if John would abandon her again, you know, now that they've been reunited, not a chance he's going somewhere without you. <laughs> he's like, 
father's ghost would hunt me down and murder me if I left <laughs> yeah. you alone. <laughs> yeah, and I love how he, he invokes Ned and his honor there. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's the perfect invocation because it, it mirrors, like, Ned fought a war for Liana, and now John's going to be fighting a war for Sansa. Well, with Sansa. And Ned put everything on the line to spearhead a campaign for the Starks and for Winterfell as the new Lord of Winterfell after the death of his father. So Ned was the lone remaining male outside of Benjen who was at the wall. And he put it all on the line to save, to try to save his one, his remaining sister. And that's basically what John's doing here to get his sister back home safe. You know, it's not where will he go now? It's where will we go? That is the question. And much the same, Ned sacrificed a lot to protect uh, his sister's son john too true very much so so it's a good parallel the way that both john and ned are like you know no matter what we're gonna protect our family and do what's right so it's kind of cool yeah um before we move too far away i love when she does reach out her hand for the ale i love the way he hands it to her all proud like (laughs) you've come a long way that's so funny (laughs) Oh, he like has like a little smile a and bit. he looks like proud like yeah. yes we're drinking together <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally it's great Good yeah little stark it's, moment it's so great i love this between the two of them after six five and a half years of pain you know finally we're getting some like some good stuff yeah yeah a, a, a blip on the map of good stuff yeah of happiness and re you know the reuniting of family and whatnot it's yeah yeah so Sansa's like, well, where will we go? And uh, my mom was talking about my, the movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Yeah. And something about Windex and like making guys think that, the, that it's their idea, whatever your idea is, tricking them into <laughs> making it, you know, <laughs> thinking it's their idea. So, <laughs> so they do it. Yeah. So she's like, well, where will we go? And uh, he, she's trying to get him to say, we're going to go to Winterfell, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so just, it's his idea. Yeah, yeah. He's just like, well, fuck, I can't stay here. You're not after what happened you know, after all those knives. Goddamn. Not Which, after I got murdered. So do you think he, I mean, he obviously told her and she obviously believes him. Shit. Yeah, I guess. Because I had that in my notes. Like, yeah, I, didn't, I wasn't sure if he had told her yet With either, everything but, that happened, yeah. that's pretty vague. And she doesn't yeah. seem like to dismiss that. Like what? So happened? she knows it's big enough. Yeah, she. He seems to have told her. Yeah, not yeah. after what happened. I was brought back from the dead. You would think that she would have a reaction to that. Yeah, if she didn't know for sure. So yeah. she's like, she's getting a little frustrated. She's like, "There's only one place we can go, home." And I'm like, "Oh, she's angling here. She's starting to angle. She's got a plan." <laughs> and uh john's like well what what are we gonna just tell the boltons to leave like <laughs> they She's have like, winterfell nope, we're gonna take it back from them yeah we're gonna use the wildlings and that's what her her play is she's angling towards that and uh, i just thought i was really struck at this moment that sansa is playing her own game here with a capital g her own game of thrones yes um she's really She's throwing her chess pieces on the table. Yeah, she's stepping onto the field right now, um, putting her pieces on the board totally. So I was just like, damn, Sansa! You know, like, holy shit. Boom! (laughs) She's being so cool. 
it's it's kind of fucked up that she's i mean in in at least in, at least mildly fucked up that she's coming and trying to appropriate <laughs> John's loyal subjects or loyal people basically for her own causes but it's John's cause too sure and it's only right it's their ancestral home they have to go back yeah. like where truly where are they going to go it's just that she wastes no time being like i need your army john <laughs> you know what i mean basically yeah Hey, the wildlings owe you their lives so yeah. they should fight for you. Good point. You know, he let them through the wall. They do owe him quite a lot. Although part of the, you know, that it wasn't really part of the conditions that they would take Winterfell. Yeah, I think. And that that shows like John understands the wildlings and knows that they're not going to follow him to battle. And Sansa's very ignorant in how the wildlings truly But think. they do follow and him to battle. They do follow him to battle because he... he Earns it, he throws, basically. Yeah, he, he earns it, but he also reminds them of what they all saw at Hardhome. Yeah, like, true. We can't go south because the Boltons are there. So, yeah. like, we have to go through Winterfell. Like... The, or you can stay up here and be the first ones to die yeah, when they yeah, yeah, finally exactly. get through the wall. Like totally. that's your that's your option. And I think that they do trust John. I think they do follow John in a way because Mance really respected him. Yep. And he also was good on his word. He let them through the wall and yep. they're living peacefully in safety. Yeah, he can be trusted. He's a man of honor. Yeah, so I think when called upon, they do do it, but he has to placate to the main reason behind it, not just like the chessboard in front of them. Definitely. Thinking about it now, it's interesting that Sansa had no qualms with the fact that John let so many wildlings through the wall um, that, that didn't bother her at all. She seems to have just accepted it like it's not a big deal, um, even going so far as to try to recruit them. John must have already told her about having been killed and also have already explained to her the threat of the White Walkers and that whole situation, because otherwise she would need some sort of explanation as to why he wanted to let the wildlings through the wall. Yes. And to your point of Winterfell being their ancestral home, Sansa vocalizes that. She says, Winterfell is our home. It's ours and Arya's and Bran's and Rickon's. Wherever they are, it belongs to our family. We have to fight for it. And I'm like, oh, that's another good point. Like you were saying, that's their home. <laughs> Got to get that yeah, shit back like somehow. Where are you going to go? You can't go south. Sansa cannot go south for the love of God. Right. Like Cersei's <laughs> down there. Like, I guess they could go to the Eerie, but I don't know. Like she's got no. Yeah, I guess the Eerie. Yeah, but this is where I'm like, oh, poor John. He's just like. He's so exhausted. He's like, I'm tired. I'm tired of fighting. Tired of fighting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All I've done since I've left home is fight. Oh, this, this is so intense. I've killed brothers of the Night's Watch. I've killed wildlings. I've killed men I admire. I hanged a boy younger than Bran. And Sansa's like, oh my God. Oh, Jesus. I fought and I lost. Yeah, he got... Yeah, he really lost. He got totally killed. And I, I love Sansa's sentiment here, though. She goes, if we don't take back the North, we'll never be safe. Yeah, what are they going to be like? Like Danny and Viserys on the run for the rest of their lives? Yeah, and she's like, I, you know, I want you to help me out. Like, we can do this together. The Northern houses are loyal. But 
if you're not willing to help me, I'm going to do it myself. Boom. So I'm going to do it with or without you. Boom. Like, and I'm like, damn, Sansa is a fucking G now. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. I know. This is really when I was a first time viewer and I actually really started to like Sansa as a character. Right. That makes sense. I'm, yeah. I'm this watch through. I'm feeling more than ever before her gangsterness. Yeah, like she was so immature and naive and kind of annoying at the beginning. And then what happens to her at Winterfell with Ramsay, you feel just really sorry for her. Like there's not really much else that I felt for Sansa other than I just felt horrible for her situation. But this is where I started liking her as a character. Like she has a brain. You start in there. to actually respect her and not just feel yeah, bad for her. Exactly. Exactly. She's starting to come in to her own, which actually, you know, obviously ties into your theme. Yeah. Princess Sarah of House von Daltren put it really well. She said, From the moment of Sansa's wedding night on, it was zero fucks given. She's had a taste of all of her enemies and she's not taking shit anymore. Nice. Which is true, yeah. I hadn't really realized it, but yeah, after that, the first time after the wedding when, when Reek goes into the room and she's all beat up and bruised and everything, from then on, she's just like on point, like on her game. She's trying to get Reek to do stuff for her and yeah, it's serious from then. Yeah, yeah. Um, she She's putting her lessons uh, to work. Yeah. Her totally. little finger lessons and her Cersei lessons. <laughs> little finger lessons. Where do I sign up for little finger lessons? Chaos. <laughs> Chaos lessons. Yeah. So she's like, even if you don't help me, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'll do it myself if I have to. And she probably knows that even if John turns her down and doesn't marshal the wildlings to fight for her, that she still kind of has the veil at her disposal. Well, she has the veil and to her point, that jo- that she makes to John is the northern houses will flock to the Stark name. Maybe not all of them, mm-hmm. but a lot of them will. Definitely, definitely. So she can do it with John, meaning like she has the Stark name and he's has the blood, basically. Right. And that they would basically kind of rule it in tandem. Yeah. But you know, but she to her point, like. I can do it myself because I have the Stark name and I'm as right. I am Lady Stark. Yeah, I'm Lady Stark. She's the matriarch of the family. So, I mean, she's like, I can do it without you. I don't want to do it without you. I need you. I want to do it with you. But if you can't, if you can't, you know, handle the heat, get out of the kitchen. Yeah, I'll run the kitchen. (laughs) Um, so cuts to the final scene of Sansa badassery in this episode where they're eating <laughs> and we're going, oh, getting yeah. a, we're looking around the table, getting a view of all the various foods and everything. And Tormund is staring at Brienne again, <laughs> just <laughs> gawking, eating his chicken thigh or his turkey thigh. Yeah. As he's eating, just and <laughs> she's like, oh, like looking around all grossed out fucking epic like the, those yeah. those back and forths between Tormund and oh, Bran are so them. funny just unsaid tension and yeah. annoyance and infatuation so much of <laughs> so many things and we sort of see Ed's reaction to the looks going on between them he's like <laughs> yeah. he's kind of like well then you know like that's, that's interesting yeah so uh you hear somebody calling to open the gate again and a rider enters and there's a letter, a scroll from the Bolton house from Winterfell. 
I love the guy. He goes, a letter for you, Lord Commander. <laughs> and John looks at him like, dude, He's like, what no, the fuck? Um, not the Lord Commander anywhere. Um, but it's still for him anyway, because it's actually for John. It's, it's not yes. for the Lord Commander. So he hands him the letter anyway, opens it. John starts reading it. And this is sort of paralleling a letter that he gets in the books called, that's known as the pink letter. Oh, okay. Which seems to be from Ramsey Bolton at Winterfell. Um, he's like, Stannis is dead. Come and see, you know, like all this stuff. Like <laughs> it's like this letter, but come even, and see, yeah, <laughs> yeah, even crazier. <laughs> You're like, really? He's such a nutcase. And uh, I love how he's like to the traitor and bastard Jon Snow. Like talk yep. about projection. Yeah, totally. Right. <laughs> like projection much? But the Boltons you're are major a traitor. Traitors. You your dad stabbed Rob Stark in the heart. You stabbed you your dad. You killed your dad <laughs> and you're a bastard. <laughs> yeah. He's just rubbing it in. I'm legitimized. You're not, bastard snow. Come and see. Yeah, yeah. He's so pissed. He's like, You've allowed thousands of wildlings to pass. You've betrayed your own kind. You've betrayed the North. Winterfell is mine, bastard. Come and see. Yeah, your brother, brother Rickon is in my dungeon. Come and see. They're like, oh, fuck. This direwolf's skin is on my floor. And that had to hit home. Uh, oh, when he when he says your brother Rickon is in my dungeon, Sansa and John look at each other like, oh, my God, Rickon's alive. I know. Like we, there's I know. word of Rickon. And Ugh. then the, the news that the direwolf's dead and they're like, Ugh, like wincing. And, I know. And uh, he, he, <laughs> he like, it gets more and more crazy. I want my bride back. Send her to me, bastard, and I will not trouble you or your wildling lovers. But then he threatens to keep, keep Sansa and I'll ride north and slaughter fucking everyone. You'll watch as I skin them living. And John, like, has to stop reading at this point because he can't read what's coming up in front of Sansa. But yeah. she, she knows it's going to be about her, too. Yeah. So she's like, come on, go on, keep reading. And he's like, no, no it's just more of the same. Uh, and she fucking grabs the letter and another moment of, of the woman overpowering the man, basically taking charge and being the stronger of the two. John couldn't read it, but Sansa will, you know, and well, uh, because she's already in this. I mean, like she's already she knows what a psychopath he is right. and she knows that it's going to be terrible. Oh, yeah. And it is. It's fucking so terrible. He's talking about soldiers and dogs raping her and like, you know, whatever, all this like horrible shit. Ripping her part, your wild little little oh, brother. That's what it was. Yeah. Soldiers raping her, the dogs killing Rick on, spooning Jon Snow's <laughs> eyes from their sockets. That's Come fun. and see. Come and see until I spoon <laughs> your eyes out and you see no more. <laughs> and then he signs it. Ramsey Bolton, Lord of Winterfell and Warden of the North. And this is too much for Sansa. She's like, fuck that. Ramsey killed his dad. Yeah. And now he has Rick on. Yeah. And John, like, cause John, yeah, John's like Lord of Winterfell, Warden of the North. What is he talking about? Sansa's like, he has Rick on. John's like, we don't know that. She's like, yeah, we do. We do. We do. Cause yeah, John didn't know that Rick on and Bran were supposedly alive. Um, so yeah. Sansa knows that. John's like, oh, this could be a bluff. Sansa's like, no, it's probably not. He's probably serious. Yeah. He wouldn't say that if it wasn't true. So um, they're talking, he's t John's talking to Tormund about how many people there are. 
and and he there's 2000 wildlings that could theoretically help and the bolt sansa heard ramsey say that he had 5000 men in his army once when stannis was about to attack that's important too the problem is 5000 can hold winterfell against way more than 5000 if they hold winterfell and don't come outside the walls yeah which of course they sucker ramsey into doing basically cuz he's just such yeah. a nutcase so <laughs> <laughs> this is when Sansa is telling John what you were talking about. Like, you are the son of the last true warden of the North. The Northern families are loyal. <laughs> They'll fight for you if you ask. And he's kind of like looking not confident and like, uh, like moping further. <laughs> his <laughs> moping increases and she reaches out and grabs his hand and pulls it towards her, emphasizing their connection and their obligation to one another. And, uh, She's like, soup so intense here. A monster has taken our home and our brother. <laughs> we have to go back to Winterfell and save them both. And John's like, fuck. <laughs> what can he You're say right. to that? Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, Damn yeah. it. Finally just nods like, this is what we're going to do. And I thought this was an interesting parallel between Sansa and Tommen. As yeah. people that they love have both been captured by crazy people. And uh, yeah. unlike Tommen, Sansa's like, fuck this. Gloves are coming off. Yeah, she's she's done being the victim. And little Littlefinger's basically what planted that seed for her. Yeah, she's a true G at this point. Yeah, like stop being a witness to tragedy and like stop being a victim basically yeah. and go fuck some shit up. Yeah. This is her opportunity to get revenge not only for Rob and her mom, but for everything that she's endured the past few months totally totally i would say that little lady liana mormont is rubbing off on sansa but they haven't met yet but then again maybe liana mormont is just so badass that waves of badassery emanate off of her for miles <laughs> even before she arrives the, the farther north you get the more you feel her exactly that's awesome she's like a beacon yeah <laughs> she's a beacon of confidence yeah our characters are affected by her presence episodes in advance before her of her arrival <laughs> that's yes, how strong she her. is the force is just so strong she's got the echo yeah i saw a great picture of of uh the the actress who plays Liana Mormont taking a selfie with with Christopher Hivju who plays Tormund Giant Spain. Oh yeah. And the caption is like, and here is the greatest and most strong warrior of Westeros. And Tormund is posing with her nicely. Because oh, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's Liana Mormont. Yeah. <laughs> She's a badass. So cool. So yeah, that that's it for my number five. Just uh, Sansa being a fucking G, basically. Nice. Yeah. Stepping up her, her Game of Thrones game. Yeah. Anything else you want to add before we move on to your number five? Nope. I think I'm good. All right. Then take it away. My number five is Tyrion meeting with the slave masters. Ah, nice. Yeah. So he comes across Yezin again, or Yezan. Yeah. The guy know. who enslaved him or and bought this him. This guy is like, dude, I bought this guy for a single gold honor and somehow he's <laughs> in the top of the Marine pyramid right now. Yeah, like, what the hell is happening? That's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. You got to be impressed after that for sure. Yeah. You so, can't like take him, you can't not take him seriously after that. And 
you know, so Tyrion basically asks, like, what do you want? Like, what is the whole point of you funding the Sons of the Harpy? Are you trying to drive her out because you burned all her ships? Like, she's not meant to be here. She Her path takes her westward. West. You burned her ships. Like, she could have been gone by now. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, but then, then Razdal's like, when we last met, I offered her ships so she could return to Westeros where she belongs. She refused them. And I love Missandei. Here, Masande's like, yeah, well, there were hundreds of thousands of lives at stake, so yeah. fuck you. She's not playing <laughs> at all. Like, she is I loved, not, I loved her serious. standing up to, it's like her one chance at redemption because she's been a slave and she obviously cannot talk, like, to could not talk to her masters like that. So right. now yeah. that she's not a slave, she was able to kind of like mouth off to him. Yeah, like, absolutely. That's a great, there are hundreds of thousands of people. Like that's why she stayed. Yeah. You fucking idiot. That's why. Fuck you. She's not basically, she's not going to leave until you follow her rules. So yeah. And Razdal basically is like, there have always been slaves since the dawn of time. Like it is what it is. Everyone just needs to get over it. And that was such kind of a sad sentiment, I think. And yeah, Grey totally. Worm sets, stands up and he's like, yeah, well, now that Danny's in town, that's all changing. Like, it's going to be a better world. Yeah. And I loved uh, Tyrion's sort of response to all this. He's like, listen, there have always been those with, uh, with wealth and power. And as powerful as you've become with slavery... There's never been slave like there's never been slavery in Westeros for hundreds of years, and I grew up richer than any of you guys. All like, of you bitches. Freedom works. Yeah, and he he actually kind of continues to say like you don't need slaves to make money, right? So Tyrion tries to be like very intelligent with problem solving in this episode because he has two major problems that he does discuss is he has the slavery problem and then he has the civil war problem. Right. And it's like, neither of these issues are going to be solved overnight. So like, right, yeah. let's put one to bed and like, let them stew on it and figure it out while we focus on Marine being on the brink of civil war. And <clears throat> It sounds really good. Like, oh, we're going to give you seven years to Ugh, to stop the time. practice. That is such a lot, like, on a long amount of time if you're a slave. Yeah, like Missande said, exactly. That's a long time for a slave. But from a political perspective, Tyrion, he has just such a different outlook on the matter, even though he thinks he was a slave for like a week, but <laughs> yeah. he's thinking he's looking at it from a political perspective. He goes, yeah, seven years. You know what? It's not a terribly long time, but it's a, it's a long enough time to give them enough time to put a different order into place. Right. And from his perspective, allowing that to be created and enacted is a way to avoid a whole lot of bloodshed and devise a stable, sustainable system to replace um, the system that's being changed. Like if you were just to take, a, I mean, and I don't agree with this. I, I would still kill them all and <laughs> free all the slaves immediately. But from the political standpoint, he's thinking like, if you're just, if you just boom, eliminate all the slaves, all of a sudden, all of the engines of production that this, the slaves have been working in 
grind to a halt instantly and you're basically left with chaos yeah it's true um, which you know i would i would take chaos over slavery for seven years you know chaos and rebuilding so <laughs> that's the yeah. way that i would go with it but no he's just trying to he's just trying to solve a problem and it yeah, it's it, not necessarily the best idea it's a delay but, tactic also it's like you're saying give him something to stew on while we work on this other thing and we'll, we'll also come back danny's gone She's so right. gone. Yeah. She's not man. even there. He's he's making terms like this, offering seven years to end the practice of slavery um, in Danny's name, he, which is, he says, here is the queen's proposal. And I'm just like, wow, this is wow. bold. Yeah. Very bold. Yeah. And so they kind of like look at each other like, oh, well, you know, okay. Yeah. What does that mean? Maybe she'll be gone in seven years and that won't even <laughs> fucking matter. Yeah. Maybe they're just going to yeah, buy their exactly. time. Right, right. You know, and Grey Worm and Missande are like not having this. They well, look so fucking. Pissed. It's so insulting to them. Like sure. it's so insensitive, and I don't even think Tyrion recognizes it. And even Varys looks a little like, "What? You're gonna let slavery occur for seven years while Danny's in Marine? Like, I don't know if that's really all that good for her image." Of right. being the breaker of chains, either. Mm-hmm. So Tyrion's like, basically, these are our terms, and you're going to cut off your funds for Sons of the Harpy. And <laughs> Yazan goes, We don't support the Sons of the Harpy, but Tyrion's like, Fine, fine, but you will cut it off all You'll the same. You'll cut off your support all the same. <laughs> Fucking like, great. Is such a great little banter there of. So political good. like fine fine you know, fine you don't support them but you're gonna stop whatever. supporting them yeah. anyway like, but you're gonna stop, <laughs> you're gonna stop supporting, supporting them. fine whatever you say you don't support them it doesn't matter what you say but when when it comes down to brass tacks you're gonna stop like the support yeah. will stop even if it's not you you know like yeah fine and you then <laughs> as if to not offend miss Hyundai and Cray worm enough he rings a bell and enter three horse. <laughs> Yeah, to go sit on these guys' laps, and Sunday is just like, this is what not is even. Happening? This is not like how Danny would do this <laughs> at all. <laughs> so far from it, not even close. So funny though. Yeah, yeah, he rings the bell, and even I'm like, oh my god, Tyrion! Like, I know he rings a bell, like <laughs> the fucking a, bell, like a bell, like that's oh, funniest so bad. shit ever. But. I do appreciate the sentiment of trying to solve two major problems and coming up with an idea because really no one else has come up with an an idea of how to fix it. And his, his next line is fucking brilliant. He's, he gets up, he's walking out, the horrors come in, everybody's all mad. Uh, the masters are looking kind of excited <laughs> and he says, let us sail on the tide of freedom instead of being drowned by it. And I yes. thought that this is a, like an amazing, amazing line. Really, really poignant. Freedom is a wave that we're riding and we're going to be lifted up and elevated by it as a civilization. So yeah. hop on the freedom wave or be drowned by it. <laughs> it's just so cool. Like either you accept letting people be free, which is good for everybody, including you, or you will be overturned and destroyed. So fucking awesome. I love, love that it. line. 
Let us sail on the tide of freedom instead of being drowned by it. Yes, I so love good. it. So good. So liberating. Yes. Amazing. Yeah, so that was my number five. Awesome. What's your number four? My number four, following my theme of Sansa being a fucking G. <laughs> Sansa's a fucking G now. Number four is Brienne is still a fucking G. Yes, okay. <laughs> 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 she's been rolling deep for a while you know <laughs> she's and, been a badass for a while yeah, she's, she's been, the og badass yeah yeah exactly so the scene starts with davos and melisandre and melisandre's just looking out over the balcony in contemplating life and existence and things and davos is like you know, everybody's asking each other, what are you going to do? Where are you going to go in this episode? And it's no different here. Davos is like, so what are you going to do? You're going to stay at Castle Black? And Melisandre's like, I'm going to do whatever the fuck Jon Snow says to do, basically. He's um, the prince who was promised. Yeah, yeah. Davos, and Davos is, like, is like, oh my God, seriously, like we're at this again? This? <laughs> 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 Forgive me, my lady. I thought that was Stannis. <laughs> <laughs> And she doesn't even know what to say. She's just like, she's just like sh shattered, walks away from him, like knows her credibility is shot. He follows her and he's like, this is like, he's like, this is not okay. Like, I need to know what the fuck happened, basically. So he's like, what happened? What happened down there? There was a battle. <laughs> yeah, there was a battle. Stannis was defeated. <laughs> like robotic, like terse answers. And she's like trying to get the hell out of out of there she keeps like walking away from her yeah uh, walking away from him and he just keeps pressing you know and shireen what happened to the princess and she was like oh yeah exactly like she's <laughs> shriveling and <laughs> i don't want to say <laughs> <laughs> and at that moment brienne approaches and she's like i saw what happened I saw Stannis' forces defeated in the field. And I'm like, oh, snap, it's Brienne. <laughs> and she gets uh. to confront everybody. Like and she, she got has to... her sword drawn. Drawn? Yeah. What? I didn't even I'm, notice that. Yeah, she has her when sword she walks out? away, it's in her hand. Damn, like blade bear? Yeah. Oh, it's in her hand. Shit, I didn't even notice that. That is bugged out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Davos was like, I don't have time for this. He's like, my my lady, I'm I'm Davos Seaworth, and she's like, we've met before, motherfucker. You know, I was Kingsguard to Renly Baratheon, and they're both just like, uh, you know, before <laughs> Renly was assassinated with blood magic, and she like turns to to Melisandre the and like glares at her, just eyes burning through Melisandre's it's soul. Like I know what you did, and I'm like, damn, this is so cool because both of these guys. Melisandre and Davos, they went together to, to birth that shadow demon. So yeah. Davos is a firsthand witness of the blood magic as well. Yeah. He can't deny it. Yeah, he can't deny it. So Bran got to confront Stannis a couple episodes ago. Now she gets to confront Stannis's closest confidants, people that were involved in the murder as well. So I'm like, that's fucking awesome. Before he was murdered by blood magic. And Davos is like, that, that's in the past now. You know, trying to blow past it. <laughs> like, let's move on. And Brienne's like, uh, 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 uh. Yes, it's in the past. It doesn't mean I forget or forgive. He admitted it, you know. Gangster. Like, she's so <laughs> blasé, like, about it, you know, just so casual. 
<laughs> like so fucking gangster. And Davos is like, his eyes go wide and he's like, who, who did like, what are you talking about? Well, Stannis. Yeah. <laughs> just Stannis. before I executed him. Just before I executed him. And both dun, dun, Davos, <laughs> Davos and Melisandre's eyes just both go wide. Yeah. Like Davos is like, Oh my fucking God, you killed Stannis. Like, and Melisandre <laughs> is like, she's like, I knew he was dead, but it was you. Yeah. And like, they just both look utterly dumb fucking founded totally you know she's she's like she's like just before i executed him and turns and like drops the microphone and starts walking away <laughs> and just <laughs> feedback and <laughs> and uh just one of the most epic scenes of the whole series in my Brianna's mind is the og badass dude woman yeah and davos and mel like i like i said are just dumb fucking founded just like oh my god they don't even know what to there's nothing like they can't even say anything melisandre just like <laughs> shrivels away and and walks <laughs> like floats off in one direction and davos is just like staring <laughs> blankly as, blankly <laughs> as dan walks away just like what just happened yeah for what sure. even just happened and luckily because we kind of got thrown for a little bit of a loop davos is like what happened to shireen and that's when Brienne says, I saw what happened. <laughs> so we thought that she was going to out Melisandre for burning Shireen for a second there. Oh, yeah. You know, but instead she just talks about Stannis being defeated and Melisandre gets to slink away without being exposed yet. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. So, yeah, Brienne walks away. Melisandre walks away. Davos is just still standing there blank, blank faced <laughs> and uh, just one of the coolest scenes of the whole show. Brienne just looks so regal. Oh, she's and so beautiful. Postured and yeah, it's just amazing. Such I mean, I know scene. she's I know she's a model in real life and they try to man her up so much like um, make her like plain, but her beauty always kind of shines through even like with that funky haircut and no makeup, <laughs> like no, you know, like girl, girlish makeup and a suit of armor. Like she's pretty stunning. For sure. She just seems so like huge and powerful and just like otherworldly. I, know. I love tall women. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. I like women of all sizes. And, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I like, just like all of my I'm the shortest of all of my so I'm an only child. I don't have any siblings. How tall um, are you? I'm five, six. Oh, all right. So I'm not terribly not too much of a shrimpling. I'm not too short. But so my grandma was super tiny and my mom's super tiny. Um, But out of all of the grandkids, I'm the shortest at five, six. Nice. And then my like the boys, they're all like six, three, six, four. And then the girls, though, aside from me, they're all five nine and over, over five nine. One is even like six Damn. foot, yeah, if I'm not serious. mistaken. Yeah. So I think great lumbering beasts. <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> like tall women. <laughs> sure. Owning it. Yeah. Davos and Melisandre are just blown away by her presence and her poise and her like just presentation and uh so same as torment basically there's just a fun parallel that all these people are being blown away by the presence of brienne because <laughs> so she's great. a badass she's yeah so yeah that's it for my number four is just uh nice. brienne is still 
a G. The OG G. Ain't nothing but a B thing, <laughs> baby. Nice. So what's your number four? My number four is the small council. Nice. I like it because last episode, the small council kind of tur- got turned upside down onto Cersei. And in this episode, she kind of like writes it back up in a way. Right. She sort of takes control of the operations of the small council, sort of. Yeah, because they get up. They're about ready to leave again. They're like, what the hell are you doing here? Like, we told you you're not welcome here. We told you you're not a part of this. Yeah, like, they stand get, up like they're about to go. They stand up. Cersei's trying to work them through from different angles. And she's like, she says to Olena, you once spoke of your respect for our father because he understood the necessity of working with one's rivals. It's like, really, Cersei, after all you've done to do everything possible to not work with your rivals at all, <laughs> at any level, now you're coming along with this. And I thought Elena's response was hilarious. hilarious. Like, uh, what's left to work with? You have no authority, no dignity. You've been shamed and confined to the Red Keep. You walked naked through the streets. <laughs> Yeah, like what? It, like, who are you anymore? Like, no you're nobody, one, basically. <laughs> no one. And Cersei is like, I don't really care what you guys think right now. I just basically, and well, she's kind of betraying her son at this point. She goes, I just found out that the High Sparrow is going to Queen Marjorie is going to make her Walk of Atonement sometime before my trial. Lady Elena is like, that cannot happen. That will not happen. And yeah. I love Cersei. She goes, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Like what? You you guys agree about something? Yeah. <laughs> they give that the nay no. That's not happening. Jamie says, you've got the largest army. Like bring them into the city and we'll stop Queen Marjorie's humiliation. Um, we need to take back the the queen. We need to get her back. If, yeah. we, if we need to use force, we're going to do it. And Kevin's like, the king has ordered me to take no action against the High Sparrow for fear of the queen's safety. He, what did Cersei call him? He has the, the wit of a kitchen mouse or something like that. Oh, I, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> he has. So he, he doesn't like conflict, basically. Right. So he's like, well, I... The king has given me orders. I cannot take any action. And Jamie's like, I agree. You're not going to take any action at all. Um, you need to stand down and the Tyrells <laughs> need to do this. Are you expressly forbidden from standing down? Kevon's like, uh, no, I'm not. Technically, I can. <laughs> and Kevin's like, well, what if the king needs me? And Jamie's like, it'll all be over before... Anyone can do anything about it. Yeah, so cool. Like, we're just going to fucking go in there, guns blazing, and just pick the rose out of the hornet's nest. Yeah. And I loved it. Yeah, it's like when when the High Sparrow's in custody, or preferably dead. I mean, let's be honest, we want him dead. And Marjorie's back at Tom inside. Do you think the king is going to be pissed at the outcome? Hell no. (laughs) He's going to be, like, elated. Yeah, like, you solved all the problems for me. Yay. And then Cersei placates to Kevin because Kevin is being directly impacted by these fanatics as well. I mean, Lancel is his son. Yeah. She's like, don't you want your son back? Like, this is the way we have to do it. He's joined the dark side. Bring him back into the light. (laughs) And I love Kevin. He goes, well, what if it goes wrong? 
like we'll have a civil war and a lot of people will die and Elena yeah, in true G fashion true G. she's like yeah. many will die no matter what we do better them than us agreed and so now I love that because better them than us they're, they're allies again here right they, they are joining forces to extract Marjorie so now they're working together again yeah, pretty crazy. At least temporarily until Cersei has High Garden taken. <laughs> yeah. For now. It's like mob families, like the Gambinos will fight against the Genoveses for their share of the of the street. But when somebody else comes in from outside and threatens the prophets and their their mechanisms, then they band together to fight against the outside threat. And just all these, yeah, I just thought it was crazy. All these women making power moves in this episode. Yeah, Sansa to sure. John, Marjorie, you know, to Loras, Cersei, to, and Olena to Kevin here. Danny yeah. with her big power move. Well, and I think that's, I think we brought that up in a um, previous episode. I think I might have talked about like George R.R. R. Martin gets a lot of flack for like abusing women the way he does in his story. But right. I actually like in watching it so much and knowing the intricate details of this show, I actually think it's quite the opposite. Absolutely. Um, showing them overcoming things and overcoming adversity and hard times. And, but also like where we have left off in the series, pretty much women rule Westeros going into season eight. And pretty much, I don't think it's not, um, it's it's subtle so i think a lot of people don't pick up on it and i know the books are super long and even more detailed so that sentiment might be lost in translation but i think he completely writes in women as the heroes and we even get that in history um when Arya talks to tywin about rainies and visenya like they were two great warriors like totally they were forces to be reckoned with so nymeria also Nymeria, yeah. So so many legendary warrior women. Uh, and Brienne of Tarth is a great example of it in the present time. So Daisy Mormont he, also is a big tough woman. Liana Mormont. Liana <laughs> Mormont, yeah. Um, so I think he gives women more credit than I, I get why I get why women get upset about how women are treated on the show. <laughs> Seriously. People are just so hypersensitive about everything nowadays that they pick out all the details and don't look at the context and the greater implications. Yeah. And I mean, I I think it's not just women in general. I don't think men enjoy watching rape scenes either. No. Yeah. I wouldn't say that it's women solely that have been making this complaint either. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, yeah, I have to agree that this this episode is really when the women of Westeros take take flight yeah totally so much happening with women in this episode it's nuts oh man so that's it for my number was that my number four that was my number four yes i believe so yes the small council what's your number three my number three is bay and yawn yay (laughs) little finger (laughs) peter bay peter baelish and bronze yawn royce royce yeah I love this scene, man. It's so intense. Sweet Robin is playing oh with his bow God. and arrow. And we get just to just failing <laughs> at life. So failing, <laughs> epic failing. Like <laughs> we get a, an angle looking up 
along the shaft of the arrow as he's like, dee, 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 like changing his line of sight. And looking oh man, down did puberty and, hit that actor oh, from yeah. the last time we saw him? <laughs> Definitely. Uncle yeah. Peter. <laughs> so funny. He, he shoots the bow and it just falls so short, just like the most limp wristed, like, <laughs> you know, pathetic girly yeah. man shot he could have possibly taken. And bronze yawn is he, he watches the shot and then kind of like uh, like like <laughs> like his his eyes like kind of like roll downwards and yeah he's like <laughs> he's i like failed size, again like oh my god and then robin looks over like you see that and he's like yeah and like smiles but in his mind he's like this kid is pathetic hilarious and then all of a sudden a carriage approaches and somebody's stepping out of it and little finger says the defender of the veil. <laughs> I'm like, nice one, Bay. Oh, oh my man. god, he's pumping up little sweet Robin, making him feel good, getting on his good side, wrapping him around his finger. Mm-hmm. So Uncle Peter, funny. <laughs> yeah, Uncle Peter, you've come. <laughs> and so uh, he drops the bow and runs over and hugs little finger. And uh, Littlefinger's like, come on, check this out. Brings him over and he got him a, a gerfalcon. Is that what it's called? A gerfalcon? A gerfalcon? Yeah, yeah, I think so. The greatest and rarest of birds. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. And it is a really cool looking bird. It's a badass looking falcon. There's a shot where <laughs> as uh, Lord Royce is like listening he's waiting to hear his fate from sweet robin and he like <gasps> approaches and looks all like you know nervous and then the camera cuts <laughs> over to the bird <laughs> it's <Yeah>. like mirroring <laughs> yeah. royce hilarious so uh royce is like what the fuck P- baelish you lied to me last time i saw you you said you were taking sansa to the fingers and now all of a sudden she's married to the boltons in winterfell like what the hell is going on what here the heck just happened and Baelish lies right to his face, right to his face. He's like, on our way to the fingers, we were set upon by a large force of Bolton men. Seemed to know exactly when we were traveling and exactly whom we were transporting. And Royce is like, are you fucking serious? You're going to lie right to my face you know, about this. You take me for a fool. And uh, Littlefinger places the blame directly on him. Like he knows he didn't tell anybody about this and, Littlefinger is just lying right out in the open. Tell me, Lord Royce, how many people knew of my travel plans with Sansa Stark? I shared my intentions with you and no one else. And uh, little sweet Robin is the Lord of the Vale. You know, is listening to this (laughs) like, oh, man, Royce may be betraying us, telling our telling our info to the Boltons. Should and, we throw uh, him through the moon door? Yeah. yeah. Rice <laughs> is like, slander a man in his own home. You might find yourself crossing swords with him. I fucking love that line. Thought that yeah. was really cool. Like, I will fight you. Those are fighting words. You're questioning my honor in front of the Lord of the Vale, like on in, at my house, lying outright, casting, you know, my honor in doubt. And uh, I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, Lord Rice. Like, I feel that. And Littlefinger's like, (laughs) yeah, Littlefinger's like, your home is the veil. The Lord of the veil is right there. So he's like, it's only the Lord of the veil's judgment that concerns me. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so (laughs) slick. Baelish is crazy. Bay is cray. (laughs) Cray, cray. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) Royce 
Jan Royce looks over at Robin and Robin's like pausing for a second and looks at Baelish. Shall we throw him through the moon door? (laughs) (laughs) And at this point, Royce has to know like, oh, fuck. Because this kid's crazy. Like all he wants to do is throw people through the moon door. Yeah. What can he do at this point? Baelish holds all the cars. If he controls Robin Aaron, um, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So uh, he's so shocked by Robin saying, shall we just throw him through the moon door and just be done with it, basically? And Royce walks towards Robin, gets closer, and he's like, my lord, House Royce has always been faithful to House Aaron, to to your father, to your mother, and now to you. And Robin, (laughs) he's like, he's thick Peter somehow got in his head so fast in such a short period of time from marrying Lysa to, Lysa, the, to death yeah. and everything. He's like, do you believe him, Uncle Peter? And Royce turns back to <laughs> look like, at oh, fin- Littlefinger. And I'm like, damn, dude. Littlefinger has him right where he wants him, ready to say whatever he's got to do, like do whatever he's got to do to stay on Littlefinger's good side because he realizes now that Littlefinger runs the veil, that Aaron is just like totally wrapped around Littlefinger's finger. Littlefinger like kind of gives him a look like you're going to play ball now, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he says to Robin, he's like, Lord Royce has served the Vale well. He's enjoyed a distinguished military career. If we could trust his absolute loyalty, he would make a capable commander in the wars to come. There's like, our tagline. Like, yeah, yeah. The wars to come. Totally. And he's basically saying, listen, either you can go through the moon door or you can play ball and get a promotion. <laughs> you know, like Basically, take your pick. These are your options. Yeah, totally. Like either way, it's going down with or without you, sort of Sansa style, you know? Yeah. Uh so he's like, You can you can trust my absolute loyalty, my lord. Like you can trust me. And Baelish, it's it's funny because he's looking directly at Baelish when Baelish is saying to Robin that, you know, he could he could make a capable commander in the wars to come. And they're like locked eyes, even though Baelish is talking to Robin. And then Royce turns to talk to Robin. And then a couple seconds later, Baelish had he'd, he'd held his gaze, like looking into nothing as Royce turned away. Mm-hmm. And then turns to Robin and says, I think he deserves one more chance. What do you say? You know, and I was just like, oh, man. Robin's like, like yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he <laughs> takes a little, like, a couple seconds to think about it. And he's like fine (laughs) (laughs) whatever doesn't even really care like whatever you say Baelish is going is that's the way it's gonna be and which is uh, scary yeah it's terrifying and like so terrifying and so Royce bows and like walks away and all that intense music that's been filling this whole scene making the tension just like off the charts fades away and all of a sudden everything's normal again it's Baelish talking with with Robin and I'm like damn, this show is just so good. Like, so good. The dynamics, like, all over the place. It breathes. It, it breathes. You know, it it yeah. expands and, and contracts. contracts. And totally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good way to put it. And so, here, uh, sort of the Windex thing where you try to make the guy think like it's their idea. Uh, <laughs> he is playing... <laughs> playing Robin, trying to make him think it's his idea to go save Sansa, basically. So he's like, listen, you know, I heard that we've, we have news that Sansa has escaped Winterfell, that she's at Castle Black with her brother, John, who's Lord Commander, but she's not going to be safe there, not with the Boltons after her. And Robin takes a minute to, to pause and think, and he's like, hmm, 
well, she is my cousin. Maybe we should help her. <laughs> In Baelish, that was my yep. instinct as well. <laughs> That's the right answer. <laughs> so funny. So he basically plants all the thoughts in Robin's head and just ha- owns the veil. Yep. He's just counting down the days until Robin has like a tragic horse accident or something. And he's <laughs> the de facto shoots himself with the bow. Yeah. In the back of the head, in the back of the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Punch you right in the back of the face. I'm so punch uh, you in the back of the face. Yeah, yeah. And then, Oh man, this epic line by Littlefinger here. Uh, as as Robin's like, you know, we should help Sansa. Let's, you know, let's take action, basically. L- Littlefinger's like, that was my instinct as well. And then he says, our Lord has spoken. Gather the Knights of the Vale. The time has come to join the fray. And that is like a major turning point in the story as the, as the Vale of Aaron has been completely removed from all of the fighting and everything thus far throughout the entire series. Now they're finally going to step up and join and it's really tactically important that they've that they're going to be fighting in in the favor of Sansa and the Starks. The big deal, for sure. You know, it's dynamic changing, as we will see, <laughs> preventing the Battle of Bastards from turning very far south. <laughs> so basically, goddamn, <laughs> season six god is just damn. so good, right? <laughs> so uh, awesome. So that's amazing. my number three. How about uh, your number three? My number three is Marjorie and the High Sparrow. Ooh. So I chose this because I thought Natalie Dormer did such a great job yeah, acting I, in this. I agree. Scene. Very good job. She's laying, she's like kind of hunched over in the corner, and the Septa comes in, and, um, you know, she basically pulls her out of the cell. Mm-hmm. And, um, they're walking down this really, it's very claustrophobic in their very claustrophobic hallway. And they come out into the light. Yes. And the way she puts her hand up to her face and winces her eyes, it looks like she was in the dark, like yeah. actually in the dark. It's to get yeah. like that. Right. Cause it's look. not like bright in that room. There's a couple rays of light coming in. <laughs> you know, It's still pretty dimly lit. So for her to be yeah. covering her eyes means that she's been in the darkness for in a while. In the dark for and a like long time. Small amount of light is hurting her eyes. Like, ugh, horrible. Yeah. So I just love that. And Septa Nella kind of pushes her to her knees and then walks away. And yep. The high sparrow starts on his weird, righteous bullshit again. Just I'm like nodding off as he's talking every time I can't stand the high sparrow. I know. It's like, where would you go if you were freed right now? And I I mean, he already knows the answer to that question. (laughs) Right. She's going to go back to her family. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, but that means that you're seeking out money, finery, power. Seeking out your family means seeking out sin. It's like, what? Fuck you, man. Like, you can't have a family Yeah, like, I can't just find comfort in my loved ones. Like, I get what he's saying, like, because your family is... Indirectly, yeah. Like, powerful, so, like, that's what you're seeking. But maybe she just misses her family. Like, maybe she just wants to see her family. So he he gives us his story about the cobbler and his father, the cobbler. <laughs> yeah. It, 
and that he took over his shop and he, you know, would put a lot of time and effort into his shoes and, um, yeah, blah, fucking blah. My dad was a cobbler, so now I hate shoes and don't wear them. He's basically Willy Wonka, whose dad was a dentist and grew up to make candy, right? <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just... No, that's uh. okay. And so, you know, he's basically like, yeah, I, I worked because I wanted the things that the rich people had. And one night, like me and all my friends, we were all wasted. And I looked around at their naked bodies in the morning and realized that... <laughs> That shit was gross, dude. <laughs> yeah, those are gross boobs. Um, and so Marjorie kind of catches him here, and she goes, "Yeah." And one day you walked through a graveyard and realized it was all for nothing, and set out on the path to righteousness. Book of the Stranger, verse twenty-five. Ah, Book of the Stranger, the episode title. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, he goes. You know the seven pointed star. And she's like, yeah, Septa Unella reads it at me. <laughs> <laughs> I like the distinction of saying she reads it at me and not to yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and she does enjoy reading at people. She does do that. <laughs> um, so Marjorie asks him, like, well, what did you do? And he goes, I left. I didn't even put my shoes on. I walked out the door and never went back. And this is where, you know, his fuckery gets worse. He Fuck thinks all the fuckery. That he- He's playing Marjorie, but Marjorie's extremely intelligent. Again, another strong oh, yeah. female character. He goes, come, let's go see him. Your brother. And it's like, oh, damn. Yep. And so Marjorie's onto it. She knows that the High Sparrow is using her to break Loris down. Mm-hmm. And so she goes in and she sees Loris looks like Right. What is it? Episode six is titled The Broken Man. This is our first, you know, shot of of a broken man. Yeah. This is like way broken. He's in the fetal position. He's not even in the fetal position. He's just like splayed out. Oh, yeah. That's true. (laughs) He's just done for. Yeah. Just done for. Just stick a fork in it. (laughs) Call it good. And he, she's she's calling his name and he's not even really responding. And she kind of helps him up and he just starts crying. Yeah. Like he doesn't even say anything. Just he just make starts it stop. <sighs> she's like, you need to stay strong. I was he goes, I was never strong. I can't stay strong. I was, I was never so strong. sad. I know it's so like, rough. What? Super, super yes, rough. you were. You were super strong. Yeah, you almost be, you almost beat up Brienne Bri- of Tarth. You're pretty strong, bro. He, physically, but he's must, you know, he's mentally, like emotionally, mentally. I'm just. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he goes, you know, Marjorie's like, you're strong. You're the future of our family. Goes, I don't care about house. any of that shit. Like. Right. Have you told them that, that you don't care? He goes, I just want it to stop. Help me. What do you think she was asking when she's like, have you told them that, that you don't care? Like, is that something that they would want to hear? Is that something she wouldn't want him to say to them? What did you think about that? Because she seems sure. concerned when she was asking that. I, I, w- I highlighted that because I wasn't really sure what she was driving at here. Mm-hmm. Is like, is she concerned that he's confessed maybe? Or yeah, maybe that he's confessed that he'll uh, that he's giving in and just yeah, who knows? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. She's basically don't, we like really we can't sure. give them what they want, basically. So 
I'm, I'm sure what they want is for him to say, I don't care. I'll tell you everything. Just let me out of this place. Or, you know, she's like, don't fucking give in, bro. <laughs> don't do it. Bruh. Don't give in. Bruh. Yeah. So she goes, they want me to help you. They want me to help tear you down. That's why he's letting me see you. I know it. And if either of either of us give in to what they want, then they win. And he goes, fuck it. I don't fucking care who wins. Just make it stop. Yeah. Get me the fuck out and of here. And she is shocked to see Loris yeah. so broken. She's, oh, yeah. it's rough. It's really rough. Yeah, she just and like hugs him close, realizing she that she can't do anything to make him. him stronger again. Like yeah. he's beyond repair at this point. And she's just like formulating like the next plot in her mind as she like, caresses him like what, what yeah am I gonna do? <laughs> yeah that's so sad like he's not any help he's like the reek basically of this <laughs> at this point basically like this scene sort of parallels when yara comes in to save reek and he's like no no you know the master master will know my name is reek yeah yeah so totally similar type thing where marjorie's coming in here to save him to tell him be strong and you know just keep your wits about yourself and he's at total reek mode just like oh let them win (laughs) make it stop just leave me alone you know please Uh, leave me be yeah it's brutal super brutal yeah so yeah that's my number three all right nice so on to my numero dos my number two is Jora and Dario. Dario. Dario and Jora. So Jora and Dario are continuing on their hunt for the Khaleesi. And <laughs> I think the, the grayscale is starting to affect Jora here. Because more and more he's like getting his ass kicked and he's unable to fight and do physical stuff. Like we'd never seen him come anywhere near losing a fight before he got infected with grayscale. And then... He's still pretty strong in the fighting pits at first, but by the time Daznak's pit rolls around, he's almost losing to a couple of those fighters. Just barely survives through that roll move, remember? Yeah, that's true. After like near being nearly being killed and then having that guy <laughs> stab the dude who's standing over him with the blade <laughs> at his throat basically from behind, interfering, stabbing the guy from, you know, in the back basically. Um, which is paralleled in this ep- same episode um, later on when Dario has to save him by stabbing that guy through the back as he's uh, strangling him. In the him. heart, yeah. yeah. So he's sort of struggling to, he, he's losing his wind. You know, he's getting winded as they're moving up this mountain crag. And Dario's like, huh, you all right? Why don't you sit and catch your breath? You know, it kind of like. Jorah's like, fuck you. Yeah, being a dick about it, right? Um, Dario chuckles. And man, he Dario, Dario is going hard here, bro. He's being super bold. He's like, I don't think you could ride the dragon. Twenty years ago, maybe. And Jorah's like, um, um, what? <laughs> yeah. He's like, our queen. Right. She's wild, you know. Don't let her size fool you. It's hard enough for me, and I'm a young man. You? I don't think your heart could take it. And Ouch. I'm like, damn, those are fighting words, man. Like those are super, super, super fighting words. God damn. <laughs> and it's like, he's just saying it because he can basically. Jorah is too like winded and <laughs> he knows at this point that he's stronger than Jorah. And he's. Yeah. He's also like 20 years younger, if not more. Yeah. 
I mean, even even with the age difference, it would have been a good fight before Jorah was infected. He seems to be becoming weaker a bit at this point, which is, you know, it sucks. And I, I had totally forgotten about this whole conversation about Danny being wild in bed and how Jorah could, couldn't even ride the dragon. Like, dude, I don't remember this at all. Do you? <laughs> yes, I, re- I've, I remembered this scene. <laughs> well, it makes one of us. Because he, he doesn't, he doesn't want to give his, his knife up. Right, right, right. And he also discovers his grayscale. I remember here. that part with the knife and the grayscale. Just don't remember this dialogue. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I always laugh about him riding the dragon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's great. In, in, instead of the dragon riding him. Yeah. That's kind of funny. Just that little juxtaposition or like that reversal <laughs> riding yeah. the dragon. Great euphemism. So uh, Dario's like, it must make you mad that our queen chose me. And I, I liked Jorah's rebuttal here. It makes me sad. You'll disappoint her before long. She'll move on. And uh, he's like, yeah, we'll all disappoint her <laughs> you know, before too long. <laughs> yeah. And Jorah's like, listen, we need each other right now. But after we're done needing each other, like, I'm going to fucking fight you, bro. And yeah, Dario, it's on. And Dario's <laughs> like, oh, like, I don't even want to fight. Like, what do I have to gain? I thought this was so funny. If I win, I'm the shit who killed an old man. If I lose, I'm the shit who is killed by an old man. <laughs> <laughs> and the little back and forth. You didn't get much discipline as a child, did you? None. None. <laughs> so funny. And it's like, it's like Jar- Dor- Dorio, Jara. Dario's being a dick here, but he's like, not even like, he's not even like trying to be a dick. It's like almost like he's just having conversation and he's just like, he doesn't have like a social filter or something because he doesn't want to fight him, like he's saying. No. Like, no. It's so weird. He's just, he's just doesn't have a filter. Yeah. Just being an antagonist, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Poking the bear, literally. Yeah, literally, yeah, good one. <laughs> nice. That was good. So uh, Jorah knows what's going on here because he sees where they are. He mentions the, the, the road that goes underneath the horse gate that they call it the God's Way. And I thought it was cool that he mentions it because in the books, we get a much grander description of the God's Way. And as you walk underneath these giant horses, and are following this path into Vyas Dothrak. Placed along the sides of the road are all of these statues and idols of various gods and princesses and kings that they've stolen, that the Dothraki have stolen from their plundering of kingdoms around Essos. That's crazy. I think I remember, re- that's in the first book. Oh, yeah, 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 totally, totally. Yeah, I remember that from the book. Yeah, it's, it's just kind It of was cool. like... Um, relics and stuff that they had stolen yeah, from, from uh, villages and, and temples and yeah yeah exactly that they raided yeah yeah i remember that they bring all those stolen treasures basically back to vice dothrak and display them on the god's way here which is just kind of cool so we don't get that detail on the show i thought it would be just kind of nice to mention um give a little yeah. little cool detail there and he's like jorah knows the area he's been here before he's like that's that's the God's way. The other direction, that's the Western division. There's the Eastern market, Western market. He's like, listen, when Khal Drogo died, Danny was supposed to come here and join the Dosh Khalin with all the widows of the dead calls. That's where she's going to be. They're going to bring her to the temple of the Dosh Khalin. And he, he like, you know, he's just on point. Like he knows exactly what's up, which is cool. And so he stands up and, starts undoing his belt and uh, Dario's like, um, 
what the fuck are you what doing, are you doing <laughs> and we're reminded that it's forbidden to carry weapons in the sacred city of vias dothrak so they got to sneak in unarmed and pose as traitors um heading for the market if anybody catches them the but western they, market yeah the western market and so he's like but if they see weapons it, like we'll be busted and there's nothing we can do and uh dario i love this line you're asking a dog to hand over his teeth which is a great <laughs> great metaphor yeah. um, for humans with their weapons since we since our teeth are shrunken and you know and everything like that we had to come up with tools to defend ourselves whereas animals have these vicious teeth and fangs and stuff like that so kind of a cool metaphor here yeah and for um, sure he's like listen like there's a hundred thousand of them down there we can't fight our way out we wait till dark we find her that's our only plan it's our only shot we don't have another option and i just love that dario or dario goes along with it you know he starts disarming and just it's such a powerful message to see to have these men giving up their their defenses and giving up everything to try to save danny like that's how important she is to them and to the world that it's worth it and uh it's just it's such dedication it's really moving definitely for sure yeah so dario hands everything over except for one of his ladies (laughs) the dagger one and he's just like, ah. I'm very attached to this knife. <laughs> <laughs> yes, love it. And he, he lifts it up. Kisses her butt. Kisses its, her booty. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> and so Dario, or Jorah reaches out to take it, and he realizes that his grayscale is exposed, and Dario sees it, and he sort of covers it up and pulls his hand back, and Jorah tells him, like, don't, don't worry, it didn't touch you. Dario's just like, hey man, you you know what happens as that progresses? And Dario, I know what and happens. Jorah's like, yeah. And it's uh he's like, I'll I'll stash the blade myself. I don't want you to touch it, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Then he just puts it in his shirt basically instead. Yeah. So uh yeah, because Jorah turns around like, oh god, like shit, I'm busted. <laughs> Kinda, busted. Yeah. And Forever it's interesting, friend like, zone. It, yeah, forever friend zoned. Exactly. It it shows to you that he's accepted that at this point that he couldn't have Danny. He couldn't because it would doom her as well. So Be too dangerous. Yeah, he's coming to grips with his position in the friend zone, and just in in the world, like he's 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 on his way out, and he's going to try to go out in a blaze of glory if if need be doing something that needs to be done like the mission is the is the most important stuff at this point so it's just a just wild like seeing him coming to grips with his situation and proceeding forward um towards the horizon which is cool for sure and so they get into it cuts to dos vice dothrak and at night and they're walking along in the streets and sneaking around. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, if you're seen sneaking like that, that's going to make you look so much more suspicious. Just walk normally. Just walk act on like the you're street. supposed to be there. Yeah. Act natural. <laughs> but of course they can't do that because they have to illustrate for the viewers that they're sneaking, you know. Even though they just verbally told us that yeah. they're going to sneak into the city. <laughs> yeah. So they're sneaking along and these guys come around a corner and Jorah's like, oh, just let me talk, you know. And he 
he's pretty slick, you know, my friends. I thought he was good. Yeah, yeah we just, we, we got lost and we need to, can you help us find our way back to the market? We're merchants. We sell wine. Come by tomorrow. I'll give you a cask of the, you know, the best wine we got. Worth a shot. <laughs> yeah. And the, the guy's like, you're not merchants. <laughs> Get the others. <laughs> the guy runs off. Run. And uh, Dario just bolts after him. Yeah. The first guy that. doesn't even try to stop Dario as he runs right past him. Like he could have at least tried to trip him or something. Did nothing. He doesn't even react as Dario runs right past him. And I thought it was funny that neither of these guys shouted. Like oh, all they had to true. do was be like, guards, alarm, intruders, you know, anything like that. And instant men everywhere. But Dario and Jora are able to maintain their stealth advantage because these dumbasses didn't just <laughs> make some quick verbalization out loud. Yeah. It's hilarious. So Dario's chasing after that guy who's running and jora is just in rough shape man the grayscale is really fucking with him i think because normally he would not have any type of problems with ago this guy he would beat the shit out of this guy yeah i was wondering about that because like he seemed slow to me and took some major punches right so he seemed slow here he was winded he was winded and sluggish on the mountain i think they're trying to make the point that the grayscale is starting to physically mm, affect him at this point okay um, mess with them yeah so he's getting his ass beat guys like choking him or before actually he, he gets knocked down on the ground he got an occasional punch in the face this episode <laughs> the moment <laughs> way <laughs> comes what goes around comes around so he gets knocked down to the ground and he has this awesome moment where he like tries to throw dirt and sand in the guy's eyes <laughs> <laughs> the guy just dodges it like, like, like yeah fuck? people have been trying that against me since i was four years old playing with my dothraki friends in the sand buddy like i'm not gonna get sand in the eyes from you he was just ready for it so yeah. he just he's just like really he really there's like kind of a look back and forth comes <laughs> over grabs him by the throat and starts choking him and then all of a sudden and you see the point of dario's lady come sticking out through his chest and he's just like oh <laughs> drops and Dario's like I told you I'm attached to this <laughs> this dagger <laughs> so funny so <laughs> Jorah's like fuck 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 like if they find a body with a stab wound the whole fucking city we're will fucked. be looking for us well, we're <laughs> fucked yeah and Dario like he, he, quick problem solving <laughs> he looks over oh, and sees a big yeah. rock and oh. smashes the hell out of the dot the rocket oh, the guy sound effects yeah oh. and Jorah is like ugh, ugh, like kind of cringing ugh. each blow yeah. <laughs> and eventually he like kind of drop Dario drops the, the rock and turns towards Jorah and just like eh. you know like <laughs> mentioned right. this work hopefully <laughs> Uh, it's so funny. And that, that wraps up the Dario and Jora stuff for now until, nice. uh, until we, until they lock the door basically from the outside or whatever and mm-hmm. witness Danny's amazing scene. We'll talk more about that coming up. Yeah. So that's, uh, that wraps up my number two, Dario and Jora. Anything nice. you want to add or you want to move on to your number one? Let's move on to my number one. I would wager that we both have the same number one. I would bet that we do. And it's... Picel with Tommen. Boobs. <laughs> oh, boobs. oh. Boobs. Fire boobs. Extreme boobs. <laughs> Extreme fire boobs. 
man. Yeah. So I love this. Me this too. Whole thing. So good. Yeah. It's. I love that it mirrors her, the birth of the dragons. Yep. But just on a grand scale. So many. Like, yeah. Such she's now scale. in front of not just one Kalasar, but three Kalasars. Right. And it's not just a pyre. It's, it's even more than three Kalasars, isn't it? Aren't those all calls in there? Oh, is that what it is? They're all calls. Yeah, I, I thought, thought there they were like, like three main calls and the rest were blood riders in there. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever it is, there's a lot of There's a lot. lot. <laughs> yeah. There's a fuck ton of people. Like yeah. more than usual in one place. And yeah, all of the Kalasars are there. Oh, it's just it's just such an amazing moment for her to step out. Like these people should have been following her from the beginning. You know, yeah, like they totally. left her so quickly and now it's like her redemption. Like I, what the stories that you heard are true. Right. Yeah. Even, it, even like the women of the Dosh Kalin who have probably heard some of these stories. I mean, most of the, most of Drogo's Kalasar abandoned her before the event where she freed everybody and became yeah. the mother of dragons. So we don't know how much word got back to Do- the Dothraki about this, but well, people the, have the to young know. girl. She knows that Danny has dragons. Yeah. Totally. She talks about it when they're going right, to they, the bathroom. Yeah. And the, the matron calls her mother of dragons too. Mm-hmm. last, last episode. Yeah. So they, they, I think they have heard stories. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it starts there. All the calls are gathered, and they're speaking in Dothraki. I love Dothraki. Yeah, it's really cool. Such a cool, and they're talking about the guy that got his head crushed in like a melon. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, um, it's forbidden well, to spill blood in the sacred city. There's always a little bit of bloodshed here. <laughs> Somebody like, crushed his head with a rock, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's so funny. Ego belonged to my Kalasar. He served me well. <laughs> he got his head smashed in by rock. Fuck Ego. Fuck, fuck <laughs> Ego. <laughs> now bring me Drogo's widow. Yeah. And I love the just the, she's a she's paler than milk. <laughs> yeah, and she just is like so confident this whole time. Like, God yeah, and she damn. just has a smirk she on her ha- face. Yeah. Oh man. And I love the the braziers. How beautiful they are, and they're. She's glowing, like truly glowing. Totally. And um, one of the calls tells Call Moro that the Yunkai masters, they are offering 10,000 horses in exchange for Danny. 10,000 horses. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, she's one pink little girl like we could have 10,000 horses and he so goes, the masters know the masters of Yunkai know that Danny is, is captive then oh which makes that whole other scene that. with uh with Tyrion and the other masters interesting oh yeah I, I I didn't even think about that yeah very interesting I wonder how they know hmm yeah, I, I'm. I don't know. That's interesting. That does make that whole scene a different dynamic back in Marine. Yeah. Um, and I'll take the horses for myself. Yeah, fuck Carmo. the wise masters and their perfumed asses. Fuck those assholes. <laughs> and Danny goes, "Don't you want to know what I think?" 
<laughs> what, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what, what, what? And <laughs> so you'd rather be sold into slavery. Or maybe you'd like to show Ralko where what you do taste like. <laughs> yeah. Cause they're Just all like, like talking about like, Ooh, like speculating what's going to be done with her. Maybe, you know, I wonder what she tastes like. Like, you know, think, Ugh. yeah, you know, yeah. So gross. Yeah. And <laughs> call Mora's like, we don't give a fuck what you want. This is the temple of the Dosh clean. You are not a part of this until we decide yeah. you are. So you, you don't have any say here. Just for the record, the script has call one, call two, call three, and there's call Moro. So there's at least four calls. Got it. Got it. Okay. That's crazy. Yeah. So Danny shows her hand here of how much she knows about this culture. She's like, I know where I am. I've been here. This is where my child was pronounced to be the stallion who mounts the world. Great and Kyle Morrow, like he kind of digs into her. He's like, yeah. And then he fucked it all up essentially. Yeah. Your baby's dead because of you. Cause you trusted a sorceress and now and call Drogo's dead too. So what the fuck happened? And I love that Danny doesn't even flinch at that. Not even. She water off her back. She goes, this is where Drogo promised to take his Kalisar West to where the world ends to ride the wooden horses across the black salt sea no as no has call done. has done before. Oh, I, I just love that he whole. swore to me before the mother of mountains. Yeah. And he goes, and you were fucking dumb enough to believe that shit. Like, look <laughs> at, look at all the members of the Dosh Colleen. They all believed it too, which resonates back to that. Yeah. Um, the matron I just, saying I love that, that to like, Danny. Obviously something monumental is about to happen here. And so I love that they're, that Danny is pointing out what an important location this is. Like all of these important things that have happened. Yeah. In and this I'm going to burn it to the ground yeah, and it's, yeah, it's going to be like, it's, it's already kind of a sacred location, but a miracle is about to take place here. Then it's just going to like, you know, it's going to top it off, top all of it off. All the epic events that have taken place here leading up to this. And I love, I love how she just gives it right back to Kal Morrow. She's like, yeah, and now look what you're doing here. Like, what are you discussing here? The little villages you're going to raid? How many girls you get to fuck? How many horses you demand in tribute? Yeah. You are small men. None of you are fit to lead the Dothraki. But I am. <laughs> I just love that part. So They're I like, will. what? <laughs> it sort of reminded me of the movie Donnie Brasco. Ever heard of that? Um, no. It's a true story uh, played by, it's it's about this guy, Donnie Brasco, whose real name was Joe Pistone. He was an FBI undercover operative who was infiltrating mob, the mob in uh, New York and Florida. Oh, nice. And played by Johnny Depp. But there's a scene where these mobsters um, are trying to like, they're, they're running all these small games still like stealing parking oh, meters and yeah. breaking out, you know, breaking the change out of the parking meters. Sure. And one of the guys is like, this is fucking bullshit. Like we're over here wasting our time for fucking quarters, you know, and like, you know what I mean? <laughs> It's kind of like the same sentiment that Danny has here. She's like, and what are you guys doing? Talking about raiding little villages? Yeah. <laughs> How many like, girls you're going to fuck? How many horses you're going to steal? Drogo was going to sail across the sea. Dude, like, Drogo that's what we discussed plans, here. Bitch. That my son was a prophet, like 
a part of a prophecy. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what this. Which is another is. hint, by the way, that Danny's going to get pregnant and have a baby, and it's going to be the prince or princess who was promised. Ooh. Because the prophecy was said in the in the Dosh Colleen that she would have that stallion who mounts the world, which could kind of be interpreted as um, what the prince that was promised. <laughs> For <Azura> sure. High. <laughs> Yep. So, Kal Moro has had enough of this. Yeah. <laughs> no Dosh Colleen for you. <laughs> yeah. No soup for you. Instead, we'll take turns fucking you. And then we'll let our blood riders fuck you. And if there's anything left of you, then we'll give our horses a turn, you crazy cunt. You crazy cunt. cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really think we would serve you? She's like, nope. um, I'm just... <laughs> gonna like put my hand on this fire pit here yeah and they kind of look down because normally that would burn the shit out of somebody uh, so she's yeah, like testing her resistance here making sure her plan's gonna work also yeah. hinting to them like you don't know you're out of your element here i think see i think she's not concerned i think she's confident she, she places her hand on that confident. and she's like look what i can do yeah yeah you're i right. can hold hot metal in my hands she's i am absolutely them. able to lead this kalasar and you're all gonna fucking die tonight yeah yeah she the, the guy he's like do you really think we would serve you she's like no but i think you can die <laughs> <laughs> peace out so fucking hardcore <laughs> yeah yeah that's so cool she's like you're not going to serve you're going to die. And that dragon da, sound, like you just did. I love it. It's so good. Oh, that's such a cool sound. I fucking love that sound. So yes. good. Oh, God. And she so- tosses that first brazier down. And like a bunch of freaking cowards, they like move backwards i don't know about you but i would jump right through that fire forward towards the assailant because it looks like it is like a substance burning it's 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 what happens they're they're in the dosh clean it's got like a straw floor basically it's dust so it's like in a silo if you have a silo and a flame like a spark goes off in a silo the whole thing will go up in flames Yep. Yeah, so I think that that's basically sense. what's happening here. The dirty, dusty floor. One of these braziers tips, and it just lights up like a, like a stack yeah. of hay, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, they all, like, retreat, basically. In the, in They're all, backwards. like, grabbing onto each other, holding onto each other, yeah, and screaming. It's it's a little overplayed. Like, I, I, I have trouble believing that these all these big guys would be that scared of a little bit of, a, a little bit of fire. Um, yeah yeah you know so so they all cower and i love the the camera angles here we're seeing her through the fire yes like as if we're looking at it through the call's vision yep and she's just calm and walking around she looks like a goddess yes she's a goddess literally oh i love her me too (laughs) (laughs) i know you do you guys know that though (laughs) I would totally be able to ride the dragon. Just saying. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Anyways. (laughs) So she knocks down the last brazier. Yes. And it engulfs Kal Morrow. Well, before that though, they sort of scurried around the flames and they were trying to get out. 
So they yep. get to the front door and what Dario and Jora like killed a couple guards and deadbolted the door basically. Yep. So they're stuck in there and Dario is a little bit nervous and you know, he kind of looks over to Jora and Jora kind of reassures him like, dude, she's got this. Like yeah, I've seen her do this They're before. off in the distance and they're looking over and seeing the whole Dosh Kaleen lighting Erupt. blaze. Yeah. Just erupting in flames. And yeah. yeah, like you're saying, Jorah's seen this before. He's, you know, he's like feeling pretty confident about the whole thing. Dario is looking terrified. He's, and, he's like, this is absurd. Yeah. And this is the most sacred site in Vice Dothrak, you know? So, so all, all of these, the Kalasars yeah, like exactly. flocking to it because the in horror, Dosh Kaleen's on fire. Yeah. They're, they're like, this is like the worst thing that could be happening, basically. You know, they're like, oh my God, no. You know, so. The whole thing's on fire. And we get that beautiful panned out uh, shot of the whole building engulfed in flames with yes. all of the Kalasar like standing it. in wonder and terror. And a door, the door falls because it's The door burnt, is just like open. It's like piping metal red hot in that building yeah and you see just a silhouette of a body just covered in flames just engulfed and she just steps out completely steps right unburnt the flames her, uh, even her hair is unburnt i know doesn't her hair burn in the books <laughs> i can neither confirm nor deny that interesting so she's just standing there and the flames licking her body mm. that should be me <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's just amazing like the light that's reflecting off of her skin just the red glowing the red and yellow just it literally makes her glow yeah like, she like like you were saying she's like a fucking goddess you know yeah, and she's a goddess for sure sort of parallels Jon snow telling the night's watch after he gets resurrected i'm not a god so both of them have these like miraculous events and inspire people. All these people are, are witnessing this happening. Like this whole building full of the, their toughest men that they all know. They're all dead, burning alive in this building. And this little woman walks out through the fire. A pale slowly, skin, silver haired yeah, woman. Slowly walks through the flames like there's no question. It's it's not like she is like she's running out and she escaped being burned. Like no, she, she walks slowly yeah. through those flames, like almost like un, like otherworldly, you know, and yeah. just like emphasizing that she's not being injured by this. And they all just start bowing. Uh, how could you not? And. I love the look of the matron's face. Yeah, like, oh my God. Because Danny did tell her, like, I meant for more than this. And the matron kind of like slammed her down. And the matron is like, oh, okay. Yeah, she's she's like hashtag team Danny at this point. She's like, (laughs) like, holy fuck. (laughs) Like, you didn't need Drogo to do the conquering for you. You you are the stallion that mounts the world, basically. (laughs) Yeah. So nice. fucking epic. And Jora, you know, Jora and Dario, everybody's kneeling and bowing already. Like, oh my God, we're witnessing a, a godlike event, basically. And yeah. Dario and Jora come rushing through from the ex, from like the perimeter of the crowd mm-hmm. and get up to the front. 
and Jorah bows down as always, you know, and I think that in like the way that Dario was talking earlier about like, Oh, you know, riding the dragon and all this, and she chose me and everything like that. I think Dario, cause Jorah knows about what she's capable of. She, he knows that she's like an element of her own that's uncontrollable and un, unattainable when it really comes down to it, that she is like a, a supreme power of her own kind of thing. Like, she doesn't need you, you know, <laughs> she doesn't need Jorah. She doesn't need Dario. She doesn't need anybody. She's her own powerhouse. And I feel like Dario didn't really get that before this. And yeah. So as, as Jorah is, has realized his place in, in Danny's reality as a pawn, basically as a, an accessory, a helper. Um, and so is it with everybody basically. And Dario, I think as he's seeing this happen, he's realizing that she truly is some, some type of transcendent being. And I think that he's realizing how insignificant he is compared to her as well in this moment. And that yeah, I couldn't she, agree more that she's something that can't be owned or possessed or controlled or won. She's otherworldly. Like yeah. she's not meant to be on this planet yeah and dario is just speechless just stunned by this and he he sort of is watching in amazement and then also begins to bow and averts his eyes downward like almost like i'm not worthy even like submission (laughs) yeah like wow 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 we it's like when you stare at your dog until they walk away (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i love the look on danny's face as she is walking through the flames because it sort of made me think of ned stark and Jon snow when they're forced to commit an execution how they they're not like excited about it and it's something serious and they're taking it seriously and they're sort of somber i feel like danny's face as she walks through the fire it's like something that she had to do yeah maybe part of her wanted to do it because she was pissed off at these guys but she looks very serious and somber and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, it's like a thousand yard gaze, you know, as, as she looks out over the, this, this new mega colossar that she's is forming uh, and bowing to her. It's a sea of people. Yeah. And it's just so epic, man. Just, it's like, she's looking right through everybody and synchronizing herself with her destiny. She is completely consumed and knows her purpose and knows that right. she's special. And she's owning it. She's she is not afraid to show everybody what she's made of. Yeah, she's she's making a statement like, yeah, I'm this powerful being. But at the same time, she's like showing her humanity by not relishing in the destruction and not being so like super into it, like bloodthirsty. She seems very collected and, you know. Um, and, and that look as she scans the crowd, it's like, I feel like she's sort of like having like a synchronization moment there where she's just like scanning everything and everything is like centering again. And like this new plane of reality is being formed and the dust is settling around her and she's mm-hmm. just sort of watching it all happen as she becomes this, the powerful center of everything again. And she's like, 
the 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 sun you could say and like the center of the universe the center of the the solar system and that's sort of sort of illustrated too by all of the people wrapped all around the dosh kalin which is burning like the sun and it's like uh yeah you know, like all the planets are at at her disposal at this point like she's the center she's the the leader the 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 mother of everything uh, you know the misa <laughs> yeah the the like the sun gives us energy and gives us life like that's like like danny you know how in like superman or wonder woman there's always like a moment where one of them is floating along and they have like their arms yeah. outstretched like the cross yeah. kind of thing this is like that jesus moment for danny sort of where definitely you know a lot some, some people say that the jesus christ figure is like um, an astro theological personification of the sun that jesus represents the sun and uh or that there are characteristics of movements of the sun encoded into jesus's characteristics this is you know danny represents the sun here it's like a lot there's a lot of solar symbology which is interesting considering normally the the woman is represented the female energy is represented by the the moon yeah so again having a female being shown uh, in as equivalent to the sun is another example of femininity overtaking masculinity which is a trend in this episode maybe it's a hint that azora high will be a, a female maybe the all the burning and everything like that mm-hmm. yeah 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 Definitely. Nice. Love it. Love this. Yeah. And, and so Dario is having this realization. He's like, damn, I've basically been banging a goddess. <laughs> like, whoa. Whoa, those bibs. That was cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fire. Fire. <laughs> oh, it's just that shot of her with the flames her all around her. Like, <laughs> I mean, the boobs, the boobs are cool, but just the way that the light, like I, I just can't get over how the light is like shining off of her bright red. It's just so awesome. Yeah. It's like her skin is heated up. Yeah. It's like her skin from... is like on fire. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, anything else you want to add to this whole uh, scene or should we move on to notes? Um, I think we can move on to notes. All right. What do you got first? Um, I'm, I'm back in Marine. Imp and friends. Yes, Imp and Friends. <laughs> um, so Grey, Grey Worm is pissed. He's like, why are you inviting the enemies into our territory, basically? Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> and Tyrion, as a clever man once told me, we make peace with our enemies, not our friends. And did you figure out who he's talking about here? It was Varys, right? Uh, I think that he's talking about Peter Baelish. But we don't, oh. we don't we don't actually ever see Peter Baelish telling this to oh. to Tyrion. We see in season one, episode seven, Baelish is trying to reason with Ned Stark and get him to go into peace oh, talks yeah. with the Lannisters to make Joffrey That's the king. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Fucking," you know. He's like, "No," basically. And Baelish is like, "Listen, we." We that's why they call it making peace, you know, because there are enemies. Uh, so Baelish says this to start to Ned Stark in season one, episode seven. Maybe I, yeah, I'm not sure where Tyrion heard it, but you know, it's interesting either way. For sure. Yeah. So 
Grey Worm's like, dude, fuck that. I don't make peace with any enemies. I kill the enemies. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's the military approach. And how has that worked here in Marine? I'm going to be a diplomat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. So. Love it. Yeah, so Masande is like, oh, yeah, our queen tried to make peace with the masters and they tried to murder her. Yeah. (laughs) What are you doing? And Tyrion says, we enter these negotiations with open eyes. Trust me, my own recent experience with slavery has taught me the horrors of that institution. (laughs) Masande. Yeah. Yeah. How many days were you a slave? (laughs) Long enough to know. Not long enough to understand. <laughs> so, what's your next note? Oh, I guess we're still in Marine, huh? Yeah. Yeah, so now we get to, after the meeting with the slavers, we cut to Tyrion and Missande and Grey Worm entering to meet with a group of people representing the citizens of Marine, And they're super not happy <laughs> not stoked about the fact that the slavers are meeting with uh, like uh, diplomatically in marine they're like what the hell our people have been killed by these people and you're inviting them into the city now like to drink <laughs> wine with them and hang out and there was some funny Don't like party poor tra- <laughs> yeah some funny poor valerian translations again by Tyrion, which is always you know a good laugh yeah, uh, <laughs> but look, these guys speak the common tongue. They say so. <laughs> he saves Tyrion. Like, thank bit. God. Yeah. So I love this this part. Um, Tyrion. They're like, you're you're inviting them into our city to drink wine, and Tyrion kind of looks around the room. I imagine this room was built so the rulers could intimidate the ruled, and he starts descending the steps towards the men. And I thought that I was just like, wow, there's so much symbolism in what's occurring visually here. Tyrion's like descending the steps, bringing himself onto their level. They've taken this pyramid and which is built by tyrants and they're using it now, the structure to elevate the people. And I just thought that like so much is being said as he's walking down the steps here without actually having to say it. You know what I mean? It's just really, really cool directing. Definitely. So if he's like, but I'm not your ruler. I am not the breaker of chains. I'm not the unburnt. And I'm certainly not the mother of dragons. And they're like, <laughs> right, you're a fucking stranger here. So why are you representing why are you here? Yeah. in talks with our enemies? And uh, his response is pretty good. Because our queen chose me as her advisor. <laughs> you know, until she returns from her travels. And they're like, wait, 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 wait. wait. When is she going to return? <laughs> And I like to, uh, soon. Yeah, Tyrion just has to bullshit about it, like about it. It's like soon. Yeah, you have my word. We have some people working on it. <laughs> and they they're like, well, we know Grey Worm, and we trust him. So like, what the fuck? And yeah, t- Grey Worm, what's up? Yeah, and Toro Canudo. Yeah, Torgo Torgo Nudo. I thought that was cool how they used like the Valyrian words for Grey Worm there. It's cool. Yeah. So they're like, yeah, what's up, Grey Worm? You want to drink wine with these men now who tore us from our mother's arms and sold us at auction like cattle? And much like John and Sansa having big moments of character in this episode, I feel like Grey Worm and Missandei have similar moments here. It's It's an opportunity where he could lash out emotionally 
and take the side of the people and create division amongst the leadership and Marine. And instead he stays, stays super calm and collected and very diplomatic. He's, you know, he's like, I'm just a soldier, not a politician, but if there's a chance for peace, a just peace, we should take it. And I really liked the emphasis of the sentiment of a just peace, yeah. which I agree with wholeheartedly. Uh, as I'm sure Tyrion does as well. Tyrion doesn't want, you know, he wants a just peace as well. Yeah, totally. totally. Very diplomatic. And immediately they're like, Masande, what about you? Can you talk some sense into this fucking imp? <laughs> Basically. Just like, I agree too. Yeah. The same thing with her. She's like, I, you know, I don't trust them. I'll never trust the masters. But as a wise man once said, we make peace with our enemies, not our friends. And sort of the way that you, you mentioned um, somebody looking like a proud father before. Who were you talking about? Oh, Brienne. Right. Brienne, like, <laughs> looking down because uh, she was watching Sansa and Jon meet up again. Yeah, yeah. So here, Tyrion, it's Tyrion's turn to look like a proud father as, as Missande parrots his quote that he just gave to her. And <laughs> I love how Missande is using the, the a wise man once said line, especially yeah. because this is the you know, second time that Tyrion has used it. The, and the first time he said, a wise man once said that history is just a series of great conversations in elegant rooms, right? Yeah. And she's like, oh, who said that? And he's like, me, just now. <laughs> it's like hilarious. Most people would la die laughing from that. But yeah. it just sort of like flew right over her head and like she was like was not impressed, you know. So I think that Tyrion is particularly happy here that she's using that specific line because <laughs> it failed at first and now it's starting to sink in <laughs> with her, you know, and he's like, oh, she's like, she's really coming along. <laughs> so funny. So really, again, very diplomatic by Masande, and they're maintaining a front of of unified power for Marine in Danny's absence, which is super important um, to keep order basically. And I think that as, as great as their misgivings are for Tyrion's strategy here, I'm just really impressed that they were able to publicly um, maintain that unified front and stay on his side and figure out a way to, to convince the people to go along with it while still leaving room for future changes basically definitely in, in tactics so that was really cool and then they it cuts to them outside now walking down towards the seaside and gray worm is pissed he's, he's like so do not pissed. use me for your lies <laughs> yeah so i'm like oh snap and <laughs> Tyrion's like those men respect you and he's like yeah they fucking respect me like don't like drag I'm me I'm loyal <laughs> yeah. yeah they know who I am yeah yeah them, I'm loyal they know I'm loyal and Tyrion's like so do I like I just put my reputation on the line for you and right. I don't even know you yeah and if you like I'm loyal to Danny, you know not to you if you betray her work you are my enemy I'm like damn yeah. like Grey Worm yeah. is like he's you know telling it like it telling him like it is at this point um, and he's like, listen, I'm not betraying her work. I'm trying to save the city. And Missande is like, what the fuck? Like you said, they could keep slavery you know? for seven years. Yeah. And he's like, you're right. It's slavery is a horror. It should be ended immediately. War is a horror. It should also be ended at once, like right away. But I can't do both today. <laughs> you know, like, We're going to have to just like figure these things out as we go along. I'm doing the best I can here, people. 
yeah, like let's, let's, you know, tackle one issue at a time. Right. And I, Grey Worm's like, you can't trust these masters. <laughs> and I like Tyrion's response. He's like, I don't, I really don't, but I do trust in that they are self-interested basically they're yeah. selfish pricks and if they can be convinced that our option is in their self-interest that you know that'll work for us basically and gray worm kind of calls them out he's like you're wrong you are wrong to trust these people yeah you don't understand them then we're not human in their eyes they look at me and they see a weapon they look at Missande. they see some fucking whore and Tyrion kind of turns it back around in him. He's like, they look at me and they see a misshapen little beast. I love his next line. Yeah. Their contempt is their weakness. They'll underestimate <sighs> us every time and we'll use that to our advantage. And this is just a brilliant mind for strategy we see that Tyrion has. And uh, yeah, you want your enemy to underestimate your capabilities. Just like Ned Stark. He doesn't fight in tournaments because... He doesn't want people to know what he can do. He's a secret warrior. Yeah, let them think you're weak and then fucking crush them. Yeah. Boom. Done. Finito. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. He's just such a brilliant strategist and uh, just really like a genius. And that means that Germ really is the genius and Dave and Dan <laughs> and stuff like for, for sure. writing all this because it's, it's really like philosophically poignant. Amazing. And, yeah, very well written. So really cool. And Grey Worm is like, you're not going to use them. They'll use you. That's what they do. And we'll see about that. We'll see what happens. You know, we'll see who's right. We shall see. We shall see. What do you got next? Danny and the um, Dosh Colleen? Yes, the Dosh Colleen. So they're all talking shit about her and she's watching them talk crap about her. And the the matron tells her, you know, some of us don't think that the Dothraki should breed with foreigners. They are stupid old women. Who's she talking about? Um, there was like a group of older women, like snickering and talking about Danny. Like oh. they were looking at her. So, and Danny saw them doing it. So the, the matron was like, don't basically don't pay any attention to them. They're talking shit about you because you're silver hair. Oh, you're going to delete the bloodlines. I got it. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she goes, well, this one's Lazarine. <laughs> her call found her hiding in a well. <laughs> God damn. She's like, how old were you? And the girl was fucking 12 years old. And a year later, she bore her call a daughter. Ugh. And he, she got her ribs broken because of it. Right. You'd think, wouldn't you imagine that the calls would want to have male heirs? So why would the call break her ribs for, for, for giving him a daughter? Oh, a daughter. Was, a daughter. It was a daughter. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I just answered my own question. <laughs> it's like, what? Damn. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I love, I love this whole sentiment of this. This goes back into like the, like real world history too, of it was always the women's fault when they didn't give a male heir. And it's so oh. ironic because men are in charge of assigning a gender to a baby. <laughs> really yeah How so? it's it's the it's the men's sperm that de that determines the the sex of the baby oh interesting so i always found that kind of funny <laughs> that women got blamed for it and it's actually the the man's i don't want to say fault but it it depends on the men solely <laughs> <laughs> yeah so 
the matron, she's like, we don't really have a lot of a place here, but the calls do depend on us for wisdom. Um, so that, you know, that gives us meaning to our lives. And Danny makes a good sentiment here. She goes, that's more than a lot of people have meaning. But in reality, these women are forced to go live at the Dosh Kaleen after this, after their calls die. They're essentially slaves. Yeah, and of Danny course they're slaves. Danny doesn't isn't okay with slavery, so she's not okay with this this outdated, antiquated, superstitious tradition forcing these women to live this specific life. You know, after their calls die, completely out of their out of their hands. Um, yeah, it's not right. And you know, Danny, I think that after this event, this this event of the burning of the Dosh Kaleen, I think that not only is it a miracle that takes place. But the fact that this building is being burned sort of symbolizes, yeah, it symbolizes an overarching change that's going to be happening in Dothraki culture. Kind of like Craster's Keep. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Totally. Where they're escaping this old system. The women are being freed. They're going to all ride with Danny's new giant colossar and be free and not have to dwell in this building for the rest of their lives. All stinky and gross. Yeah, all stinky and gross. Yeah, exactly. So I, well, that's another thing that I really like about this is that things are changing for the better. And much like eliminating slavery and, and empowering and enabling free markets creates wealth on a greater scale than slavery ever could, that's one way to improve society. What Danny's doing here is another way of improving society, and it's just... Raising up the, the the Dothraki culture to a new level, I think, with the changes that are going to be coming with 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 the new Khaleesi call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so the leader kind of just goes on, and you know, basically, they're going to meet tomorrow night. I hope they let you live out your days with us. And Danny's like, "Fuck this shit! I have to. I have to go pee. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. You want to come with me?" <laughs> Yeah, I love the way that she relates to this Lazarine Khaleesi as they're walking. She's like, ah, I just needed some fresh air. Those old women stink. And the girl's like, yeah, they smell pretty fucking bad. Sort of laughs. And uh, she's like, you must have been very young when your call died. 16. So she was only married to him for four years and beaten for four years. Yeah. And Danny's like... At least it wasn't seven, like yeah. Tyrion. <laughs> but too bad he didn't die sooner, Danny says. I love that. And, and they sort of smile at each other and she laughs and agrees. Yes, too bad. And I love this. Danny just winning the hearts and minds of the people. Reminds me of the way she won Masande over walking down the alleyway in Astapor. And Masande said, Valor Morghulis. And Danny replied, Yes, all men must die, but we are not men. And that made Missandei smile, and she was sort of on her side from there on out. Uh, yeah, and she's like, know. is it true that you have dragons? And Danny's like, mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, and they breathe fire? Yep, 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 yep. Would you like to see them one day? And it's such a cute conversation until Danny's reminded that these people are basically slaves, these poor women. She's like, I am Dosh Kaleen. I can never leave Vyas Dothrak. Until I rise as smoke from the pyre on the day I die. Oh, and that's so fucking sad. horrible. I'm like, God damn, these women are basically slaves. This is no good. And yeah, Danny knows too, like the Dosh Galeen is 
part is going to burn. This whole system is going to be changed and we're going to come bring in something better. That's going to, you know, help everybody. It's awesome. A new yeah. era for the Dothraki. And then Q Dario. Yeah. Boom. Out of nowhere. <laughs> and Janice like, no, don't, no, don't hurt, her. hurt her. She's, she's cool. Like I swear. <laughs> she's and Danny's like, dude, we're never gonna get out of Vias Dothrak alive. Like, you're crazy if you think we're gonna do that. Yeah, Jorah's like, all we can do is try, Khaleesi. She's like, no, we can actually have a strategic plan here. Yeah, like, we can do more. Come than with that. me. And she and, goes, you promise me, Khaleesi, you promise me that you're not gonna betray me. And she's like, nope, I'm good. I'm you're my friend. You're my buddy. You we're, had we're me at he should have died earlier. <laughs> you, you had me at he. Sh it would have been like too bad he didn't die sooner. <laughs> yeah. So she's got a loyal uh, devotee there with this yeah. girl, the Lazarine girl, for sure. It's definitely a cute conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like the. You know, I like that girl. What What notes do you have next? I'm sailing to Pike. Um, actually, next I have. Pycelle with Tommen. Oh. So Cersei walks into Tommen's chamber and hears Pycelle talking to Tommen and giving him advice and everything. And Cersei's just not having it at all. She's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> He's yeah. like, I'm a member of the small council. Uh, and she's like, is this a small council meeting? And he's like, well, no, but I'm here to lend my support and wisdom. <laughs> and <sighs> Tommen gets the hint. He kind of like looks down like, oh, God, she's never going to oh. stop being a bitch unless I just get him to leave. He's like, thank you for your counsel, Mr. You. Grandmaster. You know, that will be all for now. Thank you. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, geez, anything to end her bitchy attitude. That's the look I got, like that I interpreted that Tommen yeah. had on his face. And so Pycelle walks out. He's like, your, your grace, you know, and starts to leave. But as he's leaving, he like flashes like a <laughs> like smile at Cersei. I love how slowly he walks out yeah. of the room. <laughs> it's amazing. And the camera just like sits, sits still and like emphasizes how like exaggerated it is. And we know that he can walk fast and like yeah. move. And so he's so doing funny. it extra slow. Yeah. Staying in character. Oh, that's great. I love that whole like aspect of Pycelle. It's so interesting. Yeah. So he flashes Cersei like a deviant smile at the door and like <laughs> and walks out and she's like, <laughs> and this is when she basically gets Tommen to divulge the information that he learned from the high sparrow about Marjorie and her shame walk and all this type of stuff. It's not really too much to say here just that she's manipulating him and getting him to talk yeah. about everything and i guess it, there's a couple things mentioned he's like at one point <laughs> it's so ridiculous tommen's like you don't like marjorie do you <laughs> like dude you're so dense bro she's like it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah 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 whether or not i like her is completely unimportant <laughs> Yeah, like to the prophecy, she could have finished. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, maybe she does like Marjorie, but she still thinks she's going to take everything that she loves and maybe. whatnot. You know, for all we know. So uh, she's like, Marjorie is the queen. Queens must command respect. Kings even more so. Not just for their own sakes, but for everyone's. And uh, she's sort of turned. Obviously, she's turned against the high sparrow. Here, she starts talking shit. And uh, this is when Tom and divulges all that Marjorie information. Yeah. And uh, she ends out the scene by basically saying, I'm your mother. 
you can always trust me. And I'm like, no, no. don't trust her. Don't trust her. <laughs> oh, damn. Brutal. Yeah. Big time. Taking a, uh, a ship to Pike. Taking a ship to Pike. Oh, and it's so creepy. He's on the boat. Theon's on the boat and he's approaching Pike and yeah. out of the mist, the sea mist. So cool. You see these pillars in the distance and they're Beautiful. so, I love Pike. It looks like such a miserable place, but. Miserable the, slash mystical. The yeah architecture of the buildings is just phenomenal. Yep. Great work. So Theon's home and um, <laughs> Yara is sitting in her dad's chair by the fire and is basically saying like, I did not believe that you were coming home because you were dead. You, yeah. he's been dead. A, you've been dead a long they time. They told me you're home and I didn't believe it. Theon Greyjoy, I said, he's dead. He's been dead a long time. And she assumes that Ramsay let him go. <laughs> she's like, he let you go? I can't hear you. Yeah, I like, escaped. I escaped. I escaped. <laughs> and she turns at him like, I don't fucking believe you. Like, for real? Like, you escaped? Really? You manned up? <laughs> yeah. And she's like, look at me. Look at me. Yeah, like the Joker. Men died trying to rescue you. Good, Good men. men. My men. I'm sorry. Leon's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're a spoiled little cunt. <laughs> but you were my brother. <laughs> and Great you betrayed line. me. <laughs> and she's good. Yeah, it's a good point. And she doesn't want to hear his his sorries anymore. She disobeyed Balon to go try to save him. Put yeah. Ironborn resources and men on the line and lost people. She's yeah. like, she she's stepped pissed. out to do this and put everything yeah. on the line, like put her herself on the line, you know? So she's fucking mad. Yeah. And Theon's like, dude, he broke me into a thousand pieces. And Yara's like, yeah, we got one of those pieces in the mail, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I came for you. <laughs> that's why I came you. for you. And she's like, well, why are you basically like, why are you here now? And he goes, well, where would I, where would I go? And she thinks that, he got word that Balon had died and that's why he's here to take the crown. And <laughs> right. it's like, As are you if. serious? Like, are you looking at him right now? Do you think he's fit to take think, the crown? Yeah, do you think he inspires like <laughs> anybody? <laughs> like a leader? Theon's like, I had no idea that dad just died. I swear. Like, I just came. Found out after I landed, after I died. He's like, I don't even want to be the king. And she's like, what do you want? And he's like, I don't know. I just want to be safe. I just, I just want to be want home. To be great joy. Yeah. I just want to hide and yeah. like never go anywhere again. And I should have listened to you. Uh, You're the only stop one. Stop crying and look at me. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Uh, tell me what you want. And Theon's like, you should rule the Iron Islands. Let me help you. Yeah. Ugh, Another yeah. powerful moment with the woman taking the role of leadership. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Here we are again. Yara for the win. For the win. And then another one of the sad scenes mm. uh, from this, this yeah. episode, the loss of Osha, who yeah. uh, everybody knows is also one of my, one of the girls I like on this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's sad. Yeah, Ramsey's so chilling. 
peeling he's an apple. Peeling an apple. Yeah, just like he likes to peel people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just can't, can't get enough of peeling things. That's what I have in my notes. It's like oh, yeah. he's has a fetish. <laughs> a peeling, peeling fetish. Bananas, apples, people. You know, it's all the same. Just peel Hilarious. it. Hilarious. Just peel um, it. <laughs> Ramsey's like, well, do you know who I am? And she's like, some fucking lord. I don't care. Yes, a lord. <laughs> You've Have you seen, seen my, my band? The flayed man. Do you eat them after? <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> He's like, well, does that worry you at all? She's like, well, then I've seen worse. That's cool. <laughs> you're, you're, I'm not afraid of you. And she really should be. Oh, yeah. But when, when she says, then I've seen worse... This look comes across his face like he's so turned on by that. Yeah. He's <laughs> this like, is a woman yeah. who can hang like Miranda could potentially. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, Will you serve the Starks? And she goes, Yeah, well, they put me in chains and a sword at my throat. So I, I serve to. them. Which is not, I mean, it's kind of true at first, but she loves the yeah, Starks. It is true. I mean, like she, she's, she's telling the truth. It just so happens that after the, after that, she came to like really. Love, love and respect them. them yeah yeah what a yeah. man she lucked out <laughs> for out sure of, like all the things that places that she could have ended up and i mean up until this point she lucked out yeah like, she could have been tortured or you know raped or killed or something by other families but she ended up with like a really honorable and respectable family who treated her well and put her in a position of power and trust yeah um so Ramsey's like, well, why are you still protecting Recon? Recon then? And she's like, well, I could sell him. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get any wages while I was working for the Starks. Uh. And Ramsey's like, well, he's not yours anymore. He's mine. <laughs> yeah. So what use could I possibly have for you? I'll give you what you want. <laughs> are you sure you know what that is? Um, you're going to get stabbed in the neck and probably flayed later. Yeah. She's like, oh, I know what it is. The same thing men always want. Um, and when they really want it, they give it a bath first. And <laughs> the first thing that he said to her was they cleaned you up nicely. So we know yeah. she's been bathed. Yeah. And she looks clean. Mm-hmm. She's in nice robes and her hair's washed. Yep. And she had seen him put down the apple peeling knife that he was using on the table yeah. So she's just been like eyeing that the whole time, basically. And he knows yeah. it. He set her up. Well, he saw her looking at it. Yeah. And he, the only here, he's got another knife in his hand, like in his, you know, on his waist. So he put that knife there just to test her to see like where she stands. Basically, he's just waiting yeah. for it. Yeah. So she starts, you know, climbing up on top of him and starts kissing, kissing him. And she's like trying to reach over and. He's talking and you're a talker. Yeah, you're a She's good like, talker. <laughs> better than better than Reek. I had to torture him a whole lot before he started divulging things. Like, yeah, and like so, where the boys went, who helped them escape. Yeah. And then she gets stabbed. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> like his signal. That's like her the signal. She's like he's basically saying, I know you're a star. I know loyalist. who you are. I know. Yeah. You know, you're this is the moment where they're about to draw the guns and you're just waiting to see who draws quicker. Like with Oberyn and the Lannister soldiers in the brothel. You're just a pink little man who's far too slow on the draw. And she's like, fuck, this is my moment. And just like the Lannister soldier reaches for his sword and Oberyn ah! stabs him. 
Same thing happens here with Osha and Ramsey. And she reaches for that knife and he's already ready. Just whack right in the neck. And it's so shocking. Every time I see it, I'm just like, oh my God. No, yeah. Osha, my girl. It's so sad. I tell you. R.I.P. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, and she's like her. I think she had a really great performance here, too. Like the the shock and oh the way she died yeah, was really hard to like watch. Realizing, she did a really good job. Yeah, so good. Realizing she's been stabbed and like the flickers of panic across her eyes and her hands going up as she's trying to like react, but it's too late as she starts to like lose motor functions and falls to the ground and yeah. it's just a really really and the way solid her back kind of convulses. Nice. She like her eyes like flicker. Yeah. You know? She does a really good job. Really dying. good. I was impressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all the notes I have. Uh, I think, yeah, that's all I have, too. All right. Kick ass. All right. So hang out for it with us, guys, for a minute. We'll be right back. talk about that super bowl commercial oh, it was awesome <laughs> starts off as a regular old bud light commercial with the bud Knight. Dilly, dilly. yeah and i thought it was hilarious the way that they made the bud knight's voice he sounds like almost like darth vader or something <laughs> like, oh yeah <laughs> i don't remember what he was saying but take these bottles for me <laughs> as he's preparing <laughs> for his joust he's handing them all these beer bottles and everything and uh um, he's jousting and whack gets nailed off the horse and falls on his back and you hear clump 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 lumbering as as a giant figure approaches and the thrones theme comes as Gregor Clegane is leaning da, over da, the blood da, 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 da. <laughs> and he reaches down to to crush this guy's head right through his helm like and you hear the Oberyn. yeah you hear like the metal helmet he's wearing start bending <laughs> and the guy screams like Alaria yeah <laughs> so funny <laughs> classic so that was pretty cool yeah nice <laughs> there's an extended version too with a little more dialogue and i need the to watch the extended version on. yeah i'll send it to you make sure you get it nice <laughs> yeah we were we were all laughing so hard when we when that came on nice. we were like oh my god all of a sudden yeah up. all of a sudden drogon flies in out of nowhere yeah. and the king who is hosting the event with his little crown, who looks terrified as the dragon rears his head back and just <laughs> sets fire to the whole complex. Damn. Damn. Can't fucking wait for season eight. Yes. And it started off as a Bud Light commercial and then turned into a Game of Thrones commercial. <laughs> I know. They had a right? couple commercials at the... Um, Super Bowl that were like combined with each other, like really, sort of like that. Yeah, because well, it was five million dollars for thirty seconds. So I think what some companies did was team up together. Interesting. Next, we have from the Wrap dot com. HBO sets start the production up for Game of Thrones prequel pilot. Untitled project starring Naomi Watts will begin shooting after Game Game of Thrones series finale. By Jennifer Moss. Boom. So they set a date for for production nice. of the pilot. Fucking awesome. 
Nice. HBO has finally revealed when production will begin on the currently untitled Game of Thrones prequel pilot, and it's after fans say farewell to Game of Thrones itself. A representative for the premium cabler tells The Wrap, the Naomi Watts-led project will go into production in early summer. That puts the start of shooting the prequel pilot well after Game of Thrones airs its season finale in May, after premiering the sixth episode, eighth and final season on April 14th. Ooh, can't wait. Me oh, neither. It's going to be awesome. It's coming up quick. Yeah, super quick. <laughs> oh, man. All right, moving on to Game of Thrones and history. From historycollection.co, 10 historical parallels to Game of Thrones. The Wall. While planning out his debut novel, George R.R. R. Martin visited Hadrian's Wall. There, looking out over the plains to the north and imagining what it would have been like for a fur-covered Roman of Mediterranean or North African origin. <laughs> Very specific. He got inspiration for his own creation, a 300-mile-long, 700-foot-tall wall that would span the two coastlines of Westeros. Scientifically, Martin's Wall would never stand even in the sub-zero temperatures of his fictionalized north. But the wall he based his icy structure on didn't fare too badly. After its completion in the late 120s AD, <laughs> Hadrian's <laughs> Wall marked the northernmost frontier of the Roman Empire. It stretched 80 miles from coast to coast, comprehensively shutting out Rome's enemies, the Picts, Scots, and Celts, to the north. But it wasn't the empire's northernmost wall. Another was built by Hadrian's adoptive son, Antoninus Pius, a, quote, good emperor whose historical record is so unremarkable that if you can tell me five interesting facts about him, you can have my job. <laughs> <laughs> Pius began construction of his Antonine Wall in 142 AD, and it was finished 12 years later. But despite being well fortified, within eight years, the legions decided to drop back to Hadrian's Wall. It wasn't the undead army of the Night King the Romans were trying to keep out, but British tribes and Caledonians, though to the Latin speakers they were probably just as incomprehensible. There is something that connects the two, however. While the army of the Night King represents the antithesis to the people of Westeros, undead, unrelenting, unable to be negotiated with, barbarian tribes, too, were seen as other in Roman thought. We see this particularly with the Britons, but also with Germanic tribes around the same time, used as people against whom the Romans defined themselves culturally. The wall was more of a show of force, of the most powerful man at the head of the most powerful empire imposing himself on nature, than of holding back waves of barbarian tribes. This isn't to say, however, that there wasn't any fighting. In around 180 AD, a confederacy of British tribes launched attacks along the wall, overrunning several sectors and killing a Roman general. The same happened in 197 AD. But the thing about walls is that they eventually fall. And with the Romans' withdrawal from Britain at the beginning of the 5th century, large portions of the wall were dismantled as the border opened up. Next, we have the Ironborn and the Vikings. One of the most obvious comparisons between the people of Westeros is the Ironborn and the Vikings, and the cultural and political disparities between the feudal system on the Greenlands and the strength-oriented militarism of Pike and the Iron Islands are constantly highlighted in the show through Theon. As Ned Stark's hostage, he's exposed to a much different way of life at Winterfell, which softens him to the barbarity of his ancestors. 
But unfortunately for him, this exposure to this culture alienates him from his own people, and he ultimately returns a stranger, mm. which he does in this episode. Yep. In Theon's father, Balon Greyjoy, we see the traces of the Viking king Cleowulf. The Vikings installed him on the Mercian throne, replacing the old king Burgred of Mercia. But he was little more than a puppet, impotent of power and answerable to those he derived it from. Another problem Balon has is that there's no heir apparent, opening up the possibility of a power struggle, which, of course, comes along. It's ultimately his younger brother, Euron Greyjoy, who exploits both his weakness and the fact that Balon has to cross a treacherous causeway on his way to and from work every day. That's hilarious. (laughs) The extreme violence of their lifestyle goes right down to their bartering system. On several occasions, they refer to paying the iron price for something, which generally involves bloodily beating your enemies to death until, (laughs) quite literally... By process of elimination, that thing becomes yours. (laughs) Euron Greyjoy is, for all intents and purposes, phenomenally talented at bludgeoning his enemies with an axe. And this choice of weapon does fit him within a Viking context as they were instrumental in developing the axe to break shield walls or fight cavalry. There are, however, a number of important differences between the Ironborn and the Norsemen. While George R.R. Martin would have it that the Ironborn are an almost totalitarian warrior society, in reality, the Viking class system was a lot more stratified. Even among the Vikings, it could be roughly divided into those who fought, those who prayed, and those who toiled. The Ironborn are also fairly resistant to change, which, has never, which was never a characteristic among successful civilizations like the Vikings, who, in a pre-Darwinian sense, were forced either to adapt or die. With winter's arrival, it remains to be seen whether the Ironborn will be able to do so, or whether they will ultimately be counted among the Westerosi civilizations lost to time. Interesting. Caw! 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 What is that? Princess Sarah of House Von Daltrin. From the moment of Sansa's wedding night on, it was zero fucks given. She's had a taste of all of her enemies and she's not taking shit anymore. Sansa has had more of a chance than anyone to size up all her enemies. She's been on all sides. That's a pretty good point, huh? It is a good point, for she's sure. She's been in King's Landing with, uh, with Cersei. <clears throat> she's been with the Boltons. She's been with Littlefinger. Littlefinger. Yeah, she's kind of been around the block quite a bit um, and has a taste of the way that all of her enemies think. She spent time with Tyrion. Yeah, she spent time with Tyrion. The only only element that's out of her purview at this point really is she's been to the wall too now. Um, It's it's Meereen and Danny's crew. Yeah, which she'll meet in season eight. Totally. And it's going to be really interesting to see how Sansa reacts to Danny. What do you think that she'll, what do you think it's going to be like? Um, I think Sansa's going to play her part and I wonder if maybe if they have the time to spend with each other, we'll see how long they spend. But I think if they spend a significant amount of time with each other, they might like each other. Yeah, I think so too. 
I don't I don't think Sansa will have a problem with Danny. Yeah. I don't think she trusts her right now because she's a Targaryen. But right. I think if she spends a little time with Danny, that she'll realize what John's what everybody sees in her. So yeah. I think she'll like her. I'm a little worried that like right off the bat, she's going to be doing her like two faced like thing where she she's like, oh, all friendly up front. But she's like trying to plot with Arya and behind the scenes or something like that. But then yeah. again, Arya will would be more likely to be loyal to John than than Sansa. And um, I feel like Arya would probably idolize Danny, this super strong, intelligent, capable woman with fucking dragons. Like, what's not to like about that from Arya's perspective, right? Yeah, a conqueror. Yeah, and she, you know, like, Arya idolizes Nymeria. Danny's like a modern day Nymeria, basically. So, yeah, it'd be really definitely. cool to uh, to see Arya's reaction to Danny. I'm looking forward to that big time. Me Thanks too. for writing, Princess Sarah. Yes, thank you. Next, we have Sir Matthew of House Rep. Some great themes in this episode. Sibling reunions is at the forefront with Marjorie and Loris finally seeing one another after weeks in solitude with the Faith Militant. Yeah, who knows how long it's been. Could be months. Theon and Yara see each other for the first time since Yara's failed rescue attempt. Yep. Theon is now humbled and realizes... Yara is the right choice to lead the Iron Islanders in light of their father's death. Mm -hmm. And of course, the biggest brother-sister reunion reunion is Sansa and Jon sharing their first scene together in the whole series. Finally, some happiness for the both of them. Also, you have to love Tormund's reaction to Brienne. (laughs) Seeing Brienne for the first time. Gaping at a goddess. (laughs) I also (laughs) like that. (laughs) I like um, the trend that you've noticed here, Sir Matthew, about the brother-sister, like sibling reunions. Yeah, very good. Yeah, a lot of them, really cool. Yeah. He continues... Dario and Jora might have well stayed home. Ha, <laughs> yeah. ha. Danny doesn't need any men. Nope. <laughs> uh, that's funny. And she didn't need her dragons either. In, you know, interestingly. Lady Lucy of House Jane. Things I love about this episode. When John and Sansa see each other for the first time. Tormund seeing Brienne for the first time. Love at first sight. <laughs> Sansa finally realizing that she was annoying. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Brienne giving no fucks when talking to Davos and Melisandre. Totally. Tormund sexy eating to Brienne. <laughs> oh, as sexy as eating gets. I guess that's it right there. Turkey leg central. Oh, yeah. He's like, this could be your leg, Brienne. Oh. <laughs> I find it interesting that Melisandre is finally cold. After all her boasting that she doesn't feel the cold. Interesting. I didn't notice that. She's tightly bundled up. She's bundled. Yeah, very interesting. I didn't notice that either. Nice catch. Yeah, really good. Good observation. Her fires burn low. How do the masters know that Varys is a eunuch? Is his fame that far spread? Oh, must be. The infamous spider. Oh, yeah. He's got to be known all around the, the world, I imagine. Is Jorah's grayscale slowing him down? Is that part of the progression, do you think? I think so. I, that's the impression I, I got, as we mentioned yeah, earlier. Yeah, me too. He's sluggish on the hillside. He's losing fights all of a sudden. Very out of character for Jorah. So yeah, I, I'm assuming that it's the grayscale. She continues, The Dothraki really irritate me. They're like a bunch of petulant, spoilt kids. 
Does anyone else feel like this? <laughs> the calls are <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Definitely. I think that Loris is the image of Mace in this episode, and Marjorie is like the Queen of Thorns. One strong, the other weak. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> she finishes. Ramsey's letter makes me laugh. Bastard. <laughs> Bastard. <laughs> Come and see. Come and see. And she left a link. I'm going to type in this link real quick and see what it is. Okay. Oh, I think it's a, it's a link to a, the compilation of John, of Sean Bean saying bastard all those times in that series. Oh, yes. That's so funny. So we played that. I was playing that for Dave the other, a couple weeks ago. And all of a sudden out of the kitchen, we hear Justin go, bastard. Uh, no <laughs> we had way. to turn it off. We were like, oops. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's amazing what they pick up on. Yeah. It's great. Awesome. Lady Sarah of House Larkham. I got all weepy when I saw Sansa and John reunited and was laughing when Brienne and Tormund were giving each other strange looks. <laughs> Sansa reading the rest of the letter that Ramsay sent was, Sa- was Sansa taking control and convincing John to take back Winterfell and the North back from Ramsay. Yep. Daenerys burning down the Dosh Kaleen was awesome. So awesome. It was a rebirth for Daenerys and showing the Dothraki that she is fireproof shows <laughs> hope and Cersei using wildfire in episode 10 is representing her madness and putting fear in the seven kingdoms. Littlefinger saying to Lord Royce, it's time the veil to join the fray. Shadows Littlefinger's demise in season seven, episode seven. Interesting. Yeah, the veil gets involved and then Littlefinger's dead. Yep. Bye bada bye, bing, bada Littlefinger. <laughs> <laughs> Lord Bryson of House Wolf. I really like the runestone scene. When Baelish gets there, he immediately begins playing Robin like a fiddle, effectively making Baelish the Lord of the Vale, cutting Royce down and showing him who's really in charge. Baelish is always willing to extend an olive branch while fucking someone over, though. <laughs> That's how he keeps people under his thumb. He basically gives Royce the choice. Royce the choice. Royce the choice. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a great nickname for him. Royce the choice. He basically gives Royce the choice to shut up or be executed and makes Robin believe it was his idea. They instead give Royce a second chance and have him lead the Knights of the Vale to save Sansa. This is such a great scene because we're seeing how Baelish is, cont- is gaining control of the Knights of the Vale, which he in turn uses to save John or really Sansa in the Battle of the Bastards. It's also a little prophetic. This was one of Baelish's moves to keep Sansa under his thumb, and it ultimately leads to his death later on. The Stark girls ain't got time for this for his shit. <laughs> Stark girls nice. ain't got time for his shit. Nice. Ain't nobody got time it. for that shit. Ain't nobody got time for that shit. <laughs> Sir Patrick of Hindsight. Hey, Sir Patrick. What up? Held captive after struggling with tentative control over a major city, she stands naked before a city of onlookers, then is carried off by a huge, fearsome, black-skinned beast. Now she has a fiercer, more militant resolve. Also, not afraid to burn down a holy building to get rid of the oppressors who hold her back. Enough about Cersei, though. 
How about that, Danny? Seriously. <laughs> Am I the only one seeing the parallels between the two daughters of the Mad King? Yeah, pretty interesting. Right? Jorah, you didn't get much discipline as a child, did you? Dario, none. I was too quick to get the hit. <laughs> to get hit. Once my mom missed me and broke my brother's nose. <laughs> oh. Is he's that talking a book about, um, He's talking about um, one time... He's basically referring to Dario as as um, Bronn's brother because we learned oh. one time once Bronn's mom tried to hit his brother and instead it broke his nose. Oh, how funny. So, yeah, there's theorization that Dario is Bronn's brother, which would be oh. so cool, man. That'd be That'd great. be awesome. Yeah. Sir Patrick continues, seriously, though, Dario speaks words of wisdom that get cut off. Jorah says she'll disappoint you before long. Dario's response will all be disappointed before long. Mad fucking queen bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Cersei agrees with Elena that Marjorie cannot do her walk of atonement. This is the first time I caught this. She doesn't want everyone to see her young fit body and compare it to hers. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true, man. That's, That's probably horrible. true. <laughs> Otherwise, he would totally want her to be. She would totally want her to be embarrassed uh, and humiliated in front of That's everybody. That's funny. That's fucking great. This is also the first time I caught the way Pycelle leers at her as she leaves Tommen's chambers. Gross. Fuck you, Pycelle. <laughs> <laughs> A clever man once told me we make peace with our enemies. If Tyrion hadn't murdered that clever man before Oberyn poison, Oberyn's poison finished the job, perhaps he'd have a better sense than to trust that spider that he once threatened to throw into the sea, who now stands next to him. Damn. Wait, if Tyrion hadn't murdered that clever man or Oberyn's... Oh, so he's thinking that Tywin said this to Tyrion at some point? Maybe. Gotcha. Yeah, maybe that happened. I, I, yeah, I don't remember. I, I googled it and found that season one thing with Baelish, but it's possible that Tywin said it to Tyrion as well. I thought, I thought referring to him as a clever man, though, I thought that he was talking about Baelish because Baelish is like clever. You know what I mean? He is the clever man. Yeah. He's the, yeah, he's the clever man of Game of Thrones for sure. For sure. Definitely. Brandon Ushery Hill. Have you guys heard the theory that when one of the Stark kids do something majorly wrong, it costs their dire wolf's life? Thought that was a neat thing to bring up. Mm, yeah, that seems to be the case, except for Rickon. Sansa betrays Arya and then lady gets killed rob marries talisa and screws over the phrase and then he and gray wind get killed bran gets touched by the night king and then summer gets killed shortly after rickon gets caught and shaggy dog gets killed yeah i guess yeah good case for that nice thanks for writing in everybody yeah always great to hear from you guys All right, that's our show, episode 96. Thanks yes. for listening, everybody. Gosh, we're almost to episode 100. We yeah. might need to get a couple guests on or something. Yeah, for sure. And a huge thank you to John Bailey, the epic voice guy from the Emmy-nominated Honest Trailers, for announcing our show. If you'd like to donate, 
or subscribe to support us, you can go to paypal.me slash gompodcast or patreon.com slash gompodcast. Doing some online shopping? Go to gamamicrophones.com and click on our link to Amazon. As an Amazon associate, we earn from qualifying purchases. Any contribution you make helps, and you can help secure the continued existence of Game of Microphones. We'd like to thank our patrons, Sir Matthew of House Rep, Lady Lucy of House Roberts, Lady Candace of House Twos, Lady Terry of House Theodore, Lord Jeff of House Allen, Sirenicide, and Luke the Low Duke. Thank you guys so much for your support. Yes, thanks guys. We love you. And make sure to check out Sirenicide, the serialized horror drama podcast featuring me and Archmaster Stitches. Go to sirenicide.com and download it wherever you get your podcasts. We also want to give a huge thanks to Lady Lisa of House Sky, Pie Romancer. Yeah. She's been key behind the scenes working to get GameOfMicrophones.com up and running. Seriously, it looks amazing. Yeah, she did Love it. It. she's done a really good job with it. Very She's impressive. also a phenomenal artist, yes. like crazy good. Upper echelon. She just did an amazing um, portrait of Ghost in his oh, eye. Man. And the the um, Night King is in the pupil of his eye. Yeah. It's so amazing. Good. And just like his eye is just like bright red and yellow. It's, oh, it's yeah. oh. all the details of the iris are so like int- intricate and just amazing. Yeah, it's just so good. I want it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You can check out her amazingly illustrated children's book, The People You May See, available now on Amazon.com. You can also check her out at fineartsbylisa.com and on Instagram and Facebook slash fineartsbylisa. Next, we'll be covering Season 6, Episode 5, The Door. Hodor. Hodor. Hodor, Hodor, Hodor. Hold the door. Hold the door. Give it a watch and send us your thoughts. We'd love to read them on air. If you'd like to call, you can call us at 813-JOFFREY. That's 813-563-3739. If you would like to write in, you can email us at ravens at gameofmicrophones.com. Check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash gompodcast. While you're there, give us a like and a review. Imslap! Oh. You can also listen to Game of Microphones on YouTube, BitChute, and Steemit. Just search for Game of Microphones to find our channel. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Minds at GOM Podcast. And we're on Tumblr, too, at Game of Microphones. All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening. You invite the enemy into a city? I did. As a clever man once told me, we make peace with our enemies, not our friends. I don't make peace with the queen's enemies. I kill the queen's enemies. Yes, that's the military approach. And how has that worked here in Marine? I represent the diplomatic approach. Seven blessings, crispy cows and or calls. (laughs) (laughs) Then there's Danny, obviously. Uh, Yeah. uh,
a rare occasion yeah. for a, a non-mopey yeah. snow gaping at Brienne like she's he's like oh my god yeah, like like she's a literal god <laughs> it's just a horrible really horrible life experience nobody wants to go through nobody nobody <laughs> nobody <laughs> <laughs> what a mopey bastard he is basically yeah I'm tired. I'm tired of fighting tired of fighting yeah <laughs> <laughs> If you're not willing to help me, I'm going to do it myself. Boom. So I'm going to do it with or without you. Boom. Like, and I'm like, damn, Sansa is a fucking G now. <laughs> like, holy shit, dude. She's putting her lessons uh, to work. Yeah. Her totally. little finger lessons and her Cersei lessons. <laughs> little finger lessons. Where do I sign up for little finger lessons? Chaos. <laughs> Chaos lessons. <laughs> yeah. I am Lady Stark. Yeah, I'm Lady Stark. Tormund is staring at Brienne again, <laughs> gawking. Winterfell is mine, bastard. Come and see. She's already, she knows what a psychopath he is. It, right. And she knows that it's going to be terrible. Oh, yeah. And it is. It's fucking so terrible. Spooning Jon Snow's eyes from their sockets. That's Come fun. and see. Come and see until I spoon your <laughs> eyes out and you see no more. <laughs> That's fun. He's kind of like looking not confident and like, oh, like moping further. His <laughs> moping increases. I would say that little lady Liana Mormont is rubbing off on Sansa, but they haven't met yet. But then again, maybe Liana Mormont is just so badass that waves of badassery emanate off of her for miles <laughs> even before she arrives. The, the farther north you get, the more you feel her. Exactly. Uh, that's awesome. When we last met, I offered her ships so she could return to Westeros where she belongs. She refused them. And even I'm like, oh my God, Tyrion. Like, I know, he rings a bell. Like, <laughs> fucking bell. Let us sail on the tide of freedom instead of being drowned by it. And she was like, ah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like she's <laughs> shriveling and... I don't want to say. <laughs> and at that moment, Brienne approaches. How tall are you? I'm 5'6". All right. So I'm not terribly... Not too much of a shrimpling. I'm not too short, but... <laughs> they give that the nay-no. That's not happening. So she's like, don't you want your son back? Like, this is the way we have to do it. He's joined the dark side. Sweet Robin is playing oh with his bow God. and arrow. <laughs> And we get Just to failing <laughs> at life. So failing, <laughs> epic failing. The defender of the veil. <laughs> I'm like, nice one, Bay. Oh, oh my man. god! Shoots himself with the bow. Yeah, in the back of the head. In the back of the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Natalie, Natalie Dormer. Dormer. Those are gross boobs. <laughs> He's in the fetal position. He's not just, even in the fetal position. He's just like splayed out. Oh, face yeah, that's down, true. Basically. <laughs> he's just done for. Yeah, just done for. He's just cooked. stick a fork in it. Yeah, <laughs> Call it cooked. good. <laughs> and it's like, it's like Jar Dor Dorio, Jara. Dario hands everything over except for one of his ladies, <laughs> mm -hmm. the dagger one. And he's just like, ah. I'm very attached to this knife. <laughs> <laughs> yes, love it. And he, he lifts it up. Kisses her butt. Kisses its, <laughs> her booty. Oh, it's so funny. I would wager that we both have the same number one. 
I would bet that we do. And it's Picel with Tom. Boobs. <laughs> oh, boobs. Oh. Fire boobs. <laughs> Extreme boobs. Extreme fire boobs. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. You crazy cunt. You crazy cunt. cunt. <laughs> I can hold hot metal in my hands. I am absolutely able to lead this Kalasar, and you're all going to fucking die tonight. She looks like a goddess. Yes. She's a goddess. Literally. Oh, I love her. Me too. I would totally be able to ride the dragon. Just saying. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Yeah. And so Dario is having this realization. He's like, damn, I've basically been banging a goddess. (laughs) Like, Whoa. Whoa, those bibs. That was cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fire, fire. Those are special bibs. Those are fire bibs. 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 She got her ribs broken because of it. Right. You'd think, wouldn't you imagine that the calls would want to have male heirs? So why would the call break her ribs for, for giving him a daughter? Oh, a daughter. Was, a daughter. It was a daughter. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Just answered my own question. <laughs> it's like, what? Damn. Yeah. Yeah. So. And uh, she ends out the scene by basically saying, I'm your mother. You can always trust me. And I'm like, no, no. don't trust her. Don't trust her. <laughs> oh, damn. Brutal. Yeah. Big time. I should have listened to you. Stop crying and look at me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Perfect. Yeah. Ramsey's chilling, peeling an apple. Peeling an apple. Yeah. Just like he likes to peel people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just can't can't get enough of peeling things. (laughs) That's what I have in my notes. It's like he has a fetish. (laughs) Peeling. (laughs) Peeling fetish. Bananas, apples, people. You know, it's all the same. Just peel it. Hilarious. Just peel it. Um, Damn. Damn. Can't fucking wait for season eight. Oh, as sexy as eating gets. I guess that's it right there. Turkey leg central. Oh, yeah. He's like, this could be your leg, Brian. Oh, 